Okay. Hmm. Okay. Um. Well, let us get let us get some silencio, some silence. Silence sounds like a tea. Mm-hmm. That sounds good, actually. <laughs> Go for a nice cup of that right now. A little honey in it. Do you like tea? Yeah. I love tea. Do, how, what if what have you drunk? What have you drank longer, tea or coffee? Oh, tea for sure. Oh, okay. We can, we can get into this on the air for sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we, we'll save our best stuff for the show. everyone i'm david oh my god i can't believe i blew it after all these years of doing it over and over again david oh my god wow that's <laughs> a new uh, name that is a very uh, <laughs> hi everyone welcome to sneaky dragon my name is david dedrick that does sound like a more of a hip-hop name david oh my god uh and i am uh, ian just a man boothby <laughs> just a man yeah you're like uh whatever oh i'm trying to think of like, who's the god someone the god someone the god uh, i forgot i want to say cedric but that's Cedric the Entertainer. That's right. So I'm getting that wrong. I, I'm David the Stellion. Okay, that's that sounds that sounds because there's Megan the Stellion, right? That is there is definitely Megan the Stallion. That's the second. That's the other thing that's using my brain right now. <laughs> that's, uh, it's, uh, that's the other. She's the other whapper along with yeah. Uh, Cardi my, B. Uh, yeah, you know, one day we hope to be whappers as well. But you know, <laughs> what? what? Gotta, okay, gotta work your way up. Gotta work sure, your way up. Sure do. Who you know in the in the WAP community? Uh, WAP community. That's where Elmer Fudd ended up. Oh my god! Um, oh my god! They are going to do something with that sometime, aren't they? Um, oh lordy lord! Uh, so it's episode four seventy one. Yes, that's right. I thought it was four seventy. You did. I planned this whole big rant. Okay. About uh, four seventy. What's 470? And, uh, What's the significance? Well, uh, that would be our dinghy show. What? 470 is a, uh, a double-handed monohull uh, planing dinghy with a centerboard <laughs> for Bermuda rig, uh, spinnaker, <laughs> trapeze. Uh, it's been popular since the 1976 Olympic Games uh, for sailing. Uh, and I'd be like, yeah, that was our, it's our dinghy show. And I'd be like, it's funny because dinghy is a funny word. Dinghy is uh, a funny word. You're right. Yeah, and it's the 470 is a dinghy. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's 471, and uh, I got fuck all. So uh, we got two hours to kill. Let's go. You got anything, <laughs> got anything to talk about? Talk about. I have a lot of dingy material, and it is now burned. <laughs> well, no, I want to hear more. Well, you know what? I was just thinking when you are saying that. Is it's kind of funny that nautical terms are kind of are kind of funny. Yes. Like dingy, like buoy. Huh. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good one. And then there's like when you're. Oh, I was watching a I was watching a um a YouTuber, a carpenter guy that I like to watch, and he was building a, a boat, which he'd never done before, and he was having a lot of fun with all the technical terms for some of the things that were on the boat. But now now that I've said that I can't actually remember like all the technical names for things. But it's one of those things you watch and you're watching and you're like, I will never do that. I will never build my own boat. But I will say that um Mary, my daughter Mary, uh her boyfriend Duncan, he built his own boat recently in the summertime. Well, here's what I—that was his COVID project. Right. So here's the thing. you're saying like I can't build a boat is what you're saying. But what you've done is you instead of creating a boat, you created a daughter that attracted a boat builder. <laughs> That's right. So in a way, mm. there's a bit of middleman sure. stuff going on. Yes. But your action did create a boat mm-hmm. in the long run. Sure. For your family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess that's true. 
Yeah, and so I, you can, you know, eventually you get, you, you know, have a daughter, get a boat. That's, uh, you yeah. know, it's, you know, if people are out there like considering like, should I have kids? Should I not have kids? Yeah. It's like, do you want to have a boat? Because the easiest way. And I think, I think that he, uh, I think that he built another funny name. Oh, with, did he? A, a Dory. Okay. I think that's a good, that's another good Dory kind of. Dory the Explorer. Dory the Explorer. Yeah. So he, uh. It's uh, I'm just gonna. I'm just looking up here. Yeah, just, you sounded. You had looking it up voice. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's my distracted voice. Which this is the. This one sounds like when someone is looking something up. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's, he's a nice fella and uh, good guy. No, 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 no. Um, how many boats has he built? Would you say? Oh, just one. Just, just, just one. So just out of nowhere, he decided he was going to build a boat. Yeah, yeah. He well, you know, his parents um, bought a retirement home in Summerland, which is on yeah. Okanagan Lake, and so he just and his next door neighbor, uh, he's a computer guy. His wife is a veterinarian assistant, and they had recently bought themselves a small sailboat. Okay. A s- smallish sailboat. It's actually not as small as you're probably thinking. It's kind of a mid midway between like a largish one and a small you get it one. Out of my head. Tell me what I'm okay, <laughs> but so I think he kind of got inspired by going sailing on their sailboat to building his own boat, and so I think his plan in the in the coming year is to add a mast to it and a sail mm-hmm. so that he can actually do some sailing on the lake because the lake, well, like any body of water, has a good healthy bit of wind on it. So because it's a really big lake, and, you know, it's not not Lake Superior size, obviously, but. You know, it's a it's a sizable lake, so it has it. You know, it has a pretty good. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of its own climate going on there. So okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I've noticed at work. I never noticed this my whole life until I started working where I work. But in the, in the afternoon, I guess because it starts to cool down, and so then the wind starts to come up because you know the there's thing you know pressures and stuff like that, and so it gets really windy in the afternoon at work. Whereas in the morning it's it's still, but in the in the afternoon it'll quite in the summertime it'll quite all. It'll almost always become really, really windy and gets more difficult to, not really windy, but sometimes it's difficult to like carry big things across the, the yard because you, the wind wants to pick you up in the, and take you away. So. Sure, sure, it does. The wind wants to take you to its wind palace. That's what it feels like. It's, you. Well, it, the wind's in love with me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't blame it. It wants to have your wind babies and then hopefully the wind babies will then uh, find a, a, a boatsman <laughs> as well. So or boats, boats, woman, or boats, non-binary, boats, whatever, <laughs> boats, boats per sand, yes. Yeah. So I have I have dug up a a list of words that are nautical terms, and some of them I think are quite funny. Now this is that book you've got, nautical by nature. <laughs> nautical by nature. That's right. Okay. Yes. All right. So uh, so you're gonna uh, we got we're doing yeah we're doing guessy guess. Be nautical or nice. So okay. um. Yeah, you can guess if you want. Sure. So the first one, first one I think is kind of easy because it has a clue in it. Okay. But I just right. like I like the the you I like the appearance of the B in this word, which is abaft. 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 It's an appealing abaft. And you say there's a clue in the word abaft. Yeah. If you drop off the A B, you get a word. Okay. It's a uh, something at the back of the boat that I guess. That's right. That's right. Towards the the, the toward or at the stern of a ship. Okay. Very good. Very good. Oh, I see. All right. Very good. All right. I thought it was a thing, not a, not necessarily uh, uh, an air. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I should have. I maybe I should have. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. Um. Now, here's one for you. 
Here's another good word. I like this word. This is a binnacle. A binnacle. Okay. A binnacle. Right. Uh, a binnacle. You're never going to uh, guess it. You're never going to guess it, but okay. try, try for you, it. That's when you want to have like a, a bin to keep your stuff in, but you don't need a full bin. So you just need like a binnacle. It's well, like okay, a you are so close. So let me give you a little bit of a clue now. So okay. what do you think on an old ship... This is the ship before there's, you know, computers and, and everything else we use nowadays. What do you think was the most important item on a ship? Uh, a sextant. A sextant or? A sextant uh, was... A, a sexy person. A sextant was good for telling you, giving you a location. Sorry, a compass. Then. A compass, that's right. The binnacle was for a case from which the compass was kept. Oh, very good. Yeah, I think a compass was slightly more important than the sextant. The sextant was, was also important. I will say then, I was yeah. saying like a cup holder. Yeah. The cup holder would actually be just the right size to keep your compass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Um, how about, here's another good one, a bobstay. A bobstay. Okay. All right. Spell that for me. B-O-B-S-T-A-Y. Oh, okay. That's what uh, that's what Nina's fiance is going to do when, when he moves here. <laughs> that's true. All right. Good enough. Um, how about this word? No, what, what is it? Oh, what is it? Oh, I'm sorry. You want to know? It's a rope used on ships to steady the bowsprit. Now, what is okay, the bowsprit, no, you ask? That's the thing. Now we're going down this rabbit hole of like, well, it steadies the bowsprit. Okay. Oh, I see. So, Why do you need to steady the bowsprit? So well, because of the comp squad. <laughs> oh, okay. well, what's, the, what's the comp squad? Well, this is, well, this is it. This the, is it. You're right. So here, here you go. So imagine an old-fashioned... No, so you have to remember that almost all the words we're talking about were invented before motors were on ships. So, right, by so, drunken sailors. By drunken sailors. So, They're all things like when you go, <laughs> it's like it's got to be something that can be slurred. I th- you can't well, sharp, sharp words. So now, if you think about the, a ship, and on the front of it, there is that sail that kind of extends out over the front of the ship. And so the spar... That extends at the bows of a ship is called a bowsprit. Okay. Okay, that's what a spar is, and it's a different thing. How about this one? Bottomry. 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 Well, it sounds like something that's on the. On the so bottom now of this the is boat. not in a boat. Yeah. This is not on a boat. This is uh, something you might do with the ship. Uh, it's called bottomry. Bottomry. Yeah. Bottomry. Yeah. Okay. And I'll say uh, it's um, it has more to do with the finances of the ship. Bottomry. Uh, well, this, this of course, would be uh, you renting out uh, it as a party boat to youth so they can go and drink on the water. That's what you participate in the autumn race. So, so close, so close. Find out, find out you're doing it, you get in trouble. It's uh, uh, renting out an illegal basement suite in your, in your ship. Is it? No. It's using the oh. ship as collateral to finance okay. a sea voyage. So okay. if you wanted to make, say you were a, a whaler and you were going to go out hunting whales... Yeah. And you would need, of course, to hire a crew and have all your, your goods and stuff like that. You would put up the ship, the value of the ship, as collateral for a loan. So you could you could fund your voyage. And then you would, of course, hope like heck that you would actually capture a couple whales in order to pay for this whole thing and be able to pay off your debt. or the other, Otherwise, you would lose your ship. Ah. All right. Okay. Um, now, this has two meanings. But this is, a, this is a nautical word as well. And that word is bumpkin. It's another word I like quite a bit. Bumpkin? Yeah, bumpkin. Bumpkin. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say that's uh, something that you have uh, on your ship that uh, is a bit of a barrier between <laughs> you and the dock so you don't smash into the dock. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you right now, for a clue, this is a, will be really obvious, it is the opposite of a bowsprit. Oh, yeah, well, you don't want a fucking bowsprit. And see, a bowsprit, okay, a bumpkin, <laughs> then, of course, okay. is what you want uh, to... 
uh, distract a whale with. So you will take your stupidest sailor mm-hmm. and you will uh, rope the sailor and you will throw the sailor into the water. And while they're floundering around, uh, that's when you stab the whale. Uh, but a bowsprit, of course, is your <laughs> sexiest sailor. Yeah. And that's the one you want to use to attract a dolphin if you wanted to like go hunting dolphins. So uh, you your most idiotic sailor or your sexiest sailor. That's how you go with that. All right, tell me. All right, well, the bowsprit, as we talked about earlier, is the spar projecting from the bow of the, the ship, from the front of the ship. The bumpkin is a spar projecting from the rear of the ship, from the stern of the ship. Uh, how about a burgee? What do you think a burgee is? Or burgee? B-U-R-G-E-E. That sounds like a Christmas drink, a nice burgee that you have. Like, it's like a hot toddy made with a, <laughs> you know, a, a burg- burgundy. It does sound um, like that, but it's actually a form of communication. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I guess this is uh, almost like a tin can situation. <laughs> okay. uh, but it's going from the deck to <laughs> yep. uh, down below. Okay. Uh, like a tube, like so one of those little tubes they the horn they call into? Yeah, and yeah that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's right. Full full steam ahead, etc. Yeah. Uh, it's a small ship's flag used for identi- identification or signaling. A oh, okay. Gene. All right. That's, you know, you know, if you want to talk by flags, sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. How about a cat head? What do you think that is? Cat head. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. A cat head. A cat head. Okay. Well, it feels like a head would be at the front of the ship somehow. Okay. I know a figure head is what you call the sexy ladies with... Actually, I'm lying. It's not... Uh, okay. Whenever you see, like, the lady and the topless lady who's, like, at the front of the boat, that's not a lady. Um, <laughs> is this not really a lady? Well, no, no, it's actually not. It's, uh, like, a mythological creature. It's like oh, I see. I see. I see. Yes. Else, yes. It's not representational of an actual woman. Yes. It's something, it's something else. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if that's to make other sirens go, oh, no, he's covered. He's covered. Uh, cat head. Uh, I'm going to say that is uh, what's on the very top of your, like, you got your flagpole. Yeah. Flag, yep. flag. Okay. The very top of it. Uh, you call that little bump up there the cat head because that's where a cat would go all the way up and it looks like a cat's head looking over the top of the flag. <laughs> okay. It's, it's actually a projection near the bow of a ship to which the anchor is secured. Okay. All right. Now, here's an interesting one that I've never thought about before, but like it never occurred to me that it would be a thing until I just read this word, which is diogram. Not diagram, but diogram, which is D-Y-O-gram, G-R-A-M. Okay. What do you think that would be? Uh, uh, that would be, I would say, like, uh, that would be, okay. So say. Do you, you, want, can, do you want a hint or do you want to just make a guess? I'm just going to make one up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, who's, the, who's the god of uh, wine? Dionysus? Sure. Okay, so I'm saying the root word is dio there, so that's wine. But sometimes you can't have wine when you're out and you can't have drugs. Okay. So what you want to have is you want to, like, take your wine and you want to dehydrate and you just want to snort it like a snuff or cocaine. And so you're going to have a gram of that stuff. And that's, that's as much as you, that's as much as a bottle of wine. So you're going to like a diagram is a, it's like a little, just a little bump of uh, wine drugs kind of thing. Okay. So that's what would be, be a diagram. Okay. Now you tell me the clue. <laughs> okay. The clue actually is it has to do with um, navigation. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, I assume this is something that makes circles and then it makes sense and you know where you're going? No, it's actually, a, it's a ship's chart indicating compass deflection due to ship's iron. So the metal on the ship would cause the compass to be slightly inaccurate. Mm. So they would use this chart to make corrections, course corrections, so that the, the compass was, was, that, was their direction would be more accurate. 
Oh, but isn't wow. that interesting? I never even thought of that as uh, being a problem on a ship. But I guess there would be a lot of iron on a ship because you know that's what was used to like you know to go around the mast and see that was used to create splices and things and 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 you know the most of the inner workings of like the the um, pillar that would go from the the you know all like the the wheel for steering and stuff like that would all have cables and and pulleys and stuff like that would all all would have been iron at that time. Okay. That's really and fascinating. You're, uh, you're, a, you're a person who spent a lot of time on a boat. Yeah, but of course, when we did that, we had GPS. We didn't have to worry yeah, about... Yeah, I was just wondering if any of these terms ever came into play. Uh, not um, really. I mean, I mean, you know, we, they would use nautical terms that, but were very, that were very simple. We would say aft and stern, and then we would have like port and starboard and things like that. But, um, you know, some of these are just like really interesting because they're, they're kind of... Some of them are lost, but some of them have just been... You know, worked into normal normal language. I'm leaving those ones out, really. Mm-hmm. Um, like demirage, which is the delay of a vessel's departure or loading with cargo, which you can still find on on you know bills of lading and stuff like that. Will still refer to demirage. You know, so it's just interesting that. And here's one. I here's a good word I I like a lot, which is fartage, F A R D A G E, fartage. And I have fartage here in my own in in the shop. Oh, what 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 is that? It's wood placed in the bottom of a ship to keep cargo dry. So you would, uh, why do you have that in your shop? Well, because of the flooding that I would I experienced over uh, the years of not having a proper cover on the deck. Uh, when the water would come in, you know, it, would, it could have soaked up into all my comics and stuff like that. So I built little elevated platforms on the floor using uh, two by fours and, and plywood so that the water level would not reach the comics. Oh, okay. All right. So we got a, let me just move down here and see what else. How about a frap? A frap. A frap? Yeah. All right, give me a spelling on that. F-R-A-P. Frap. Well, it's weird. I, I think of a frappuccino. <laughs> um, so I think something, I would say a frap. So it's, uh, to, do, means, it's to do with the uh, with the sails on a boat. I was about to say it was a rapidly beating sail. Oh. So like a, a sail that frap, 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 frap. Frap, 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 yeah. That was my guess was going to be a sail. Oh, you know, that could be. It's to draw a sail tight with ropes or cables. But I wonder when they did that, if it would cause the the the... The you know it, because of the tension it would cause the the uh, it to move more quickly and make make the sound like that. Okay. It could very much be an onomatopoeia. It could be. That's cool. All right. Um, how about a how about a gudgeon? <laughs> a gudgeon. Ah, uh, sounds like an old person on the boat that just causes trouble. Just this big gudgeon. <laughs> uh, gudgeon sounds medley. Uh, gudgeon. I'd say that's a thing that you uh, hang an, uh, an anchor on. Hang it on the gun- gudgeon. I have to look. Oh, they don't give you the the meaning of this word in the turn. Oh, Mr. Big Shot doesn't know what a gudgeon is. Well, I, I can tell you what it is, but I can't tell you exactly what it is because it's a metal socket into which the pintle of a boat's rudder fits. And I assume the pintle is the part that pivots the rudder. Okay, well, it's a it's a part on a boat. Uh, yeah, you know what? Good for you, Ian. You can put an anchor on that. <laughs> there you go. Put I, it. I, I'm going to take the point for that. Okay, I'm doing double or nothing on uh, the last one. I'm do <laughs> unless this unless there's more. It's fine if there's more. But I'm going to go. Oh, I mean, there's a whole alphabet here. I'm just trying to like find find sure, words sure, that are sure, amusing sure. to me, or at least it's sort of interesting. Uh, here's an easy one for you: gunnage. Gunnage. Yeah, just choose the easiest thing you can think of that would be to do with gunnage. I would say that's where you store your guns. Oh, very close. The number of guns you would have on your... Oh, number. Okay. Yeah. All right. But guns are gun-related. Uh, we... The easiest thing would be the age of the guns. Like, how old are your guns? What's your gun age? <laughs> oh, my guns are two years old. Okay, they're still good. They can still shoot. Oh. Come down to it. 
Do you know what a Moonraker is? Oh, as in James Bond Moonraker. I'd say it's a, a, not a very good uh, movie. Um, let's see, a Moonraker. <laughs> I liked it a lot when I saw it as a kid. Moonraker. I, yeah, kind of did too. Um, moon, uh, yeah, but watching it again, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, moon, it doesn't have much going on in it. No, for, surprisingly so for something that takes place with space. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Moonraker is a good uh, question. I um, I guess it would be something that uh, helps you. Uh, you can you can see where the moon is through this thing. Yeah, and then uh, uh, you can use that to guide you as to where you are going. It is the topmost sail of a ship. Oh well, of course it is above the skyscraper. Oh, they call it a skyscraper. That's interesting. Uh. <laughs> what is a skyscraper you ask it's a triangular sail on a ship above the royal <laughs> i just love when it's like one thing after another where you're just like well, what is a royal how about how about oakum o-a-k-u-m I just, oakum yeah uh well, well you can't afford real oak for your uh mass you can uh, get that discount <laughs> stuff the oakum but you shouldn't take it out into deep water. it's probably gonna snap of it so you you, you know when a, you know a ship of, of this time period was made of wood and so well, you, i said you, i said oak you can imagine, yeah, exactly. So you could imagine, oh, like, that's how England, like, you know, lost all its mighty oak forests was was through having to fight all these war, Napoleonic wars and stuff like that. And they just chopped down all these trees to make ships. And but when the ship is at sea, of course, it's it's moving in the water, which is, you know, both fore and aft and side to side is twisting the ship. And so it would it would begin the wood be, would begin to separate, and it would start to leak. And so oakum was uh, was rope. That was um, usually impregnated with tar or some sort of something like that, and it was used to caulk the seams of the ship. So it'd be like they would just take old ropes that were no longer serviceable for the for the, the mass and stuff like that, and they would untangle them and then they would dip them into into like a tarry substance, and then they would oh. use that to caulk. And I remember when we were in England one time, we visited <clears throat> excuse me, we visited this prison. It was a woman's prison, and one of the jobs they had there was to make oakum. The lucky ladies. Uh, just under oakum is a wonderful word. I think is orlop, O R L O P, orlop. O R L O P, orlop. Yeah. Orlop. Uh, yeah, that would be a drainage uh, area on the, the deck <laughs> of the ship. So the water comes up, it goes off the orlop. Just orlops off. Kind so of. Don't store it all on the. Okay, go ahead. It is the lowest. It is the lowest deck in a ship, having four or more decks. Yeah, that's what I meant. Be that's the Orlov. Exactly right. yeah. <laughs> I knew that. I knew you, you knew that. You know where I was going with that. Uh, that's Orlov. You know, of course. And also a delightful snowman in uh, Unfrozen, the uh, sequel to Frozen when uh, he <laughs> thaws out and is full, just made of water. Orlov. <laughs> um, how about a patroon? Oh, yeah, that's what they call stupid sailors. Yeah, this guy's just a patroon. A patroon sounds like a post of some sort. That sticks up and uh, it, no, it is a personage. It is a personage. You were right to. Uh, oh, okay. It's a. Per, it's a. Uh, that's the person who's in charge of uh, of, uh, of raising the sails. <laughs> it is the captain of a ship, or well, it's already called captain. That's silly. Or the coxswain of a longboat. Okay, uh, well, you know, no one wants to be called a coxswain, so I understand that one. <laughs> I think that's a lot of too many words for the same thing, frankly. How about to, how about to scud? Do you know what scud is? To scud. It means S C U D. S C U D. We often describe that for clouds now, but. Huh. Uh, well, I know there's scud, the disposable assassin, uh, the uh, <laughs> character. So I'm going to assume it is a disposable part of the ship. Uh, so this would be um, 
uh, it would be a, a sail that you, you know you can get rid of if it's annoying. You just toss it overboard. No one will care. Uh, it is good. it is to sail swiftly before a gale. So when you're at, when you're attempting to outrun outrun a gale, you would be scudding. Right. Yeah. Okay. So gale shows up, and you're like, "Oh, get out, get out of here!" And then, yeah, you got to scud it out of there. That makes sense. Okay. Sure. How, how about scuttlebutt? Oh, scuttlebutt. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, the scuttlebutt is the the gossip <laughs> normally. So that's that's true. So then, imagine where you would be have where you would be discussing lower your decks. gossip. What's that? You would lower decks. That's where you would discuss uh, all the uh, all the gossip. I'm thinking, like, what about it? What about if you're in an office and you, well, uh, you go to the bathroom? You go to the bathroom? Well, to, to, yeah, to discuss like uh, gossip. Like you go into the bathroom, like, hey, you hear hear about Dave? What? <laughs> what? You know, him and Gail are on the outs. They really scudded it out of there this morning. <laughs> you hear about Dave? He's over by the he's over by the drinking by the. Uh, by the okay, bottle. so you're saying the water cooler? Yeah, the water cooler. It's a cask of oh, drinking water a aboard a ship. Anymore. Everyone, everyone's work has a water cooler. Everyone's work has a water cooler. The Dagwood Bumstead? The water cooler? Yeah. Okay. We have a water cooler at work. I imagine most places have a water cooler. Do you? Yeah. Okay, do you guys gather around the water cooler and talk about friends? Well, not so well, much. It's, it's it, Not so much because it's where we, I mean, we do. We're in the, it's in our lunchroom, so we are gathered around. Okay, we're in the lunchroom. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but like when you see a Dagwood Bumstead blondie, yeah, water cooler, yeah, it's like against a wall. It's not near anything else. Everyone gathers around and sits and sit and, and stands and sips water, and then they ah, Mister Dithers, and they just go on. Yeah, but they like realistically, probably <laughs> the bathroom would be where you do that. You wash your hands and you uh, spill the beans, and then uh, the boss comes out of the stall and like, oh no. So you don't like working here, huh? <laughs> no, no. And I see him smoking a cigar when he comes out. Yeah. And you go like, you're not allowed to smoke here, sir. Oh, all right. Don't tell anyone I'm smoking. This never happened. And then the boss walks out without washing his hands. Oh, boy, that guy didn't wash his hands. In this in this world, bad enough anyway. But first of all, he's smoking. He's blowing out that big thing of smoke. Uh-huh. All right. I got anyway, scuttlebutt. I got another word for you here. Yep. And that word is... Um, <laughs> I don't know how to say that word, so I will go past that word. That word is a trice or trice. Trice. Is, trice. It is actually something you do. Okay, it's um, what you call it when you've gone around the world three times. <laughs> your ship's a trice. <laughs> to haul in and lash securely a sail with a small rope. But well, you're... Where's, where's the try part of it coming? From? <laughs> I know it's weird, isn't it? To do yeah, it in don't a... Use a root word that doesn't connect with the rest. But of the we word. often, but we do use that. trace as, a, as an indication of time, though, right? Uh, give me an example. Please. I'll be back in a trace. I've never used that expression in my life. I believe that is an expression, unless I'm insane. Please say that last time you used it in public. <laughs> I don't know. Just, it feels like it's years, a thing sir. that people said. The last 10 years, sir. The it last feels... 20 years, sir. How about a trunnel? What's a trunnel? I'll tell you in a trice. <laughs> uh, a trunnel. Uh, tr- again, I think a trunnel is a drainage ditch. It's another drainage <laughs> another, ditch. Another one? It's a, yeah. It's gets way to get into the... Uh, into the lower part of the ship. No, it's a, a wooden shipbuilding peg used for fastening timbers. Oh, very nice. I just like the name, though, trunnel. I do, I do enjoy that as well. Out of nowhere, <laughs> I'm going to give you a random uh, trivia thing. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, who drew the cover for uh, Meatloaf's uh, album, Bad Out of Hell? Bad Out of Hell. Um, Famous cartoonist. Can I get uh, Can I get more than one guess? So um, I'm going to yeah, guess. He passed away this, this week. Oh, he did. What, was it the, I don't can't remember his name. Was it the guy who did Den? 
it might it might be if uh, that's the person who did it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me just let me let me try to remember. American, I'll give you that. He did a lot of stuff for heavy metal. That's what I'm trying to think of. Like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. He did Dan. He did. Um, I think you're correct. Richard Corbin. Richard Corbin, yeah, that's that's who that's did correct. that. Yeah, he passed away this uh, this oh, week. Oh, I'm sorry to hear and, that. Uh, I didn't realize that he did Bad Out of Hell, so I was looking him up, and I was like, hey, I didn't know that. You know, his his art, and I, I do want to get back to nautical terms, but his <laughs> art was always something I went like, that's very good, and it's not for me. I never <laughs> I never connected with it, but, uh, but yeah. I always went like, this issue of Slow Death technically is great. <laughs> do you want it? Because I don't want it anywhere near me. But by gosh, it's very good, and please take these heavy metals. Yeah, there, there's something unpleasantly rubbery about his about his drawings. Yeah, it's I, it's not for me, but it, but you know every award he's won it was rightfully won, and the cover of Bad Out of Hell. I, I don't did, know if he also did Bad Into Hell. I did like the dense dense sequence in Heavy Metal the movie with John Candy doing the voice. Oh, okay. Um, I'm down, I'm down, oops, I'm down with here hearing more of that but i want to just wrap up all right the, let's just finish up here we got just a couple more how about a zbeck what do you think a zbeck is a zbeck well you it's know, a x x e b e c oh you don't have to tell me that oh okay i'm uh, sorry that is, uh, <laughs> that is uh when you have a a, a parrot yep uh that cannot talk it's called a zbeck <laughs> yeah it's a small three-masted pirate ship oh well yeah it's a parrot and a pirate ship and we're gonna well, finish up parrots but pirates yes of course we're going to finish up with a Zabra. 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 Okay. Zabra, Zabra, Kadabra. <laughs> Zabra. Yeah. Zabra. I would say that is the bow of the ship. Uh, that is when someone uh, sees the uh, topless uh, siren. Yeah. And uh, they go like, uh, it needs Zabra. And uh, <laughs> Zabra on there because they're a bit of a prude. Yeah. And uh, they cover up and that's called a Zabra. Well, that's fantastic. That is absolutely correct. Fantastic. I feel great. <laughs> good. Good. It is okay. not. It is not a small Spanish sailing vessel at all. Oh, thank you. It is exactly what you said. When a person sees the spirit of the ship on the uh, at the front of the ship, they, uh, oh. they say zebra. Very, very nice. Now, um, just getting to this heavy metal movie you're talking. Heavy about. metal. The movie. Uh, so John Candy I had to sneak in to see that movie when I was in grade eight. Okay, it I was saw restricted. It, on it was restricted. VHS, and it was not. Again, it was not for me. Not my. Not my like. I don't like that kind of casual cruelty and faces <laughs> melting off, and uh, just not my. Not mm-hmm. my bag. So was he? I know Eugene Levy was in it as well. Uh, yeah, um, I think Joe Flaherty as well. Okay, two. Uh, then I got a double question. Okay. Uh, was there a Canadian connection? To- uh, I think it was produced by. I think it had some Canadian co-production to it. I think oh, you're right. yeah, I think Nelvana had something Ivan, to do with it. Ivan Reitman uh, produced it. Yeah, yeah. Ivan Reitman produced it, and yeah, it was a Canadian-American co-production. So and they probably was, uh, oh my. Phone. It's weird that the Canadian Film Development Corporation uh, was one of the uh, production uh, partners in there. As, as was Famous Players Theaters. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, so so yeah, but, but I would assume that uh, Eugene Levy and John Candy were in the same segment. I don't think so. I think oh. that uh, Flaherty and Eugene Levy were in a different part where there's like a ship's captain who kind of goes cuckoo bananas. Okay. Like a spaceship's captain who kind of goes cuckoo bananas. Oh, we well, were uh, uh, Captain Stern, yes. There you go. And then... You know, it's a Bernie Wrightson-based uh, story. Yeah, a lot of the stories kind of feel like uh, they are 
sci- they're kind of sci-fi retellings of stuff you might got got up from a haunt of fear or you know or, or kind of an ec comics they have an all kind of an ec comics feel which of course is part of the that underground scene of that time period is like you know them sort of redoing the comics they loved as kids which were ec comics you know so some of them re- some were either like redoing mad com you know mad magazine or other others ones were redoing you know the sci-fi comics or, or the, the horror comics. Well, the structures are good. You yeah. Know, if you, you know, if you want to do a short story, then uh, ripping off like a Tales of the Crypt or something is a good way to go. And if you want to do something funny, you want to, you know, Mad Magazine kind of set the tone for that. Yeah. So that Oops. makes sense too. But yeah, John Candy's in a couple of, uh, of the segments now that I'm looking at it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he's really good as Den because he has this real childlike innocence to this character. Cause he, basically D- Den is a boy who is somehow trans becomes transported to this planet, but he's suddenly in the body of a hulking man, He-Man, and like he's fighting people and he's having sex with women and he's just like, but he's a kid, so he's just like so amazed with what's happening to him. He can't believe this, his luck, you know, and it's so cool. Now, you know? when you say that the, he is a kid, yeah, how how old is this kid? Yeah, like you know, like a like a eleven year old, twelve year old boy, you know. So. Okay, like he's okay. Yeah. Not that that's you know. But okay, yeah. I was just like, I wouldn't want like an well. It's not a six-year-old. If that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Listen, uh, it's a sliding scale of uh, yeah. But, uh, and I get that I'm talking heavy metal, but yeah, you yeah. Want it's a just a it's just a yeah. It's like a it's like a fantasy story, obviously. And, right. Understood. And part of the humor of it is the these fa- these fantastical, crazy things happening to a, a kid who's trying to like understand not only just the idea of adults, but having to be an adult in a world that he doesn't even understand. So. Well, you know, join the club, Den. <laughs> so what happened? What happened to make Den Den? Why is he? In this I don't movie? remember that. I'm sorry. I saw this movie when I was in grade eight. Is it a riff on like Captain Marvel? That kind of thing. I don't know what Captain Marvel is. Oh no, no, he. Okay, what? he is no, no. Sorry, I, I really, I suddenly realized what you're trying to get at. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't like say a word and become Den. He is yeah. just taken from Earth, and somehow he is now in a the body of a, a man. Okay. On another planet, it's not Earth anymore. He's like on a totally different planet that has, now, know, has he, wait, aliens on it. And is this a situation like uh, he 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 flies in a ship, or is it a John Carter of Mars? Uh, he wakes up it's, on the other planet. It's oh yeah, see, I don't remember that part of it. Very, I don't remember that part of it. Like how he got there exactly, I don't remember. But it's more like a Conan the Barbarian with yeah, okay. with a young child as Conan. What I what I find at least what I'm remembering is or a child's it, mind is Conan. It felt like a lot of the stories were like stories kids would tell with the cruelty of children, and you know, uh, you know, your 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 instinct is always to go for their uh, fucking or fight, and if they're fighting, then they're tearing each other's face off and breaking them <laughs> and tearing arms off. And, if you know, by children you mean twenty year old twenty year olds, yes, right. Who, yeah, <laughs> but it's also a kid who's playing. In the backyard with you know the toys yeah. is going to be like you know if they have an option of ripping an arm off they will you know you, you don't sure. tell a story that like now I want to stay with canon on yeah. it's like no no you want to like it all will be violent and sexual and all the horrible things because well, you gotta, in like, those stories those stories violence and sexuality is canon mm-hmm. there was a while there where um, yeah Kevin Eastman bought uh, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah bought heavy metal was uh, kind of opened it up to alternative cartoonists mm. and uh, that seemed kind of interesting it was like oh maybe maybe this is something to apply to or try to, to do and so i would really, I, I tried reading a bunch of issues going like oh maybe i should submit something to that it's just neat <laughs> <laughs> even with the modern cartoonists that they had in which i seemed like an ill fit 
uh, for for what it was. I'm not sure if Kevin Eastman uh, still still owns a, a chunk of it or, or not. Yeah, I I was a heavy metal reader when I was in grade ten, I guess. Around there, anyway. I, I put some of my hard-earned newspaper money into heavy metal. It was a very expensive magazine. I mean, it well, magaz- What did you like about it? Well, I liked the art a lot. The stories were a little incomprehensible because it was serialized. You know, mm. it, it was taking the French model of of serialized stories spread out over several issues. Or okay, What's in French? Like Metal Hurlant? Metal Hurlant, yeah. Hurlant, yeah. Okay. Screaming Metal. Is that what it's called? Screaming Metal? Yeah. All right. And so the, some of the stories in Heavy Metal were taken from M- Mattel Erlon, like the Airtight Garage of Jerry Cornelius, which was a Mobius strip. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, there was uh, Philippe Drier, the Lone Sloan, I think it was called, was in there as well. Those are the two I remember like really liking a lot. Like The Airtight Garage of Jerry Cornelius was basically drawn, almost looked like pencil drawings. It was black and white with these really... These really very spare pencil drawings that were really appealing. And whereas the Drier, the Lone Sloan was like this psychedelic like, kook fest. Like you can understand what was happening. I don't even think if you, I actually bought, I actually bought like a collection of it much later on. I found one remaindered at, at the comic shop. And so I bought it cause I was just like, <gasps> Philip Drier. And I took it home and I was reading, it. I was just like, this is incomprehensible. <laughs> like, I think it's just for like, getting stoned and like staring at the drawings because it's this really elaborate, you know, fanciful drawings that really, you know, are just, but they don't make any sense really. It's yeah. Just, it was a source of nudity too. If you, you know, I don't remember like, nudity in Lone Sloan. If there was, it's, oh, okay. oh, it's I, so, it's so opaque because the drawings are really out there, you know? Um, and same with, same with the airtight garage of Jerry Cornelius. I don't remember there being much in the way of, of, uh, nudity. Now, um, the movie Heavy Metal also takes the Inkel story by Jodorowsky and Mobius, which is basically the fifth element. Like if you if you know the movie The Fifth Fifth Element, then you know the I've beginning. Seen the fifth element probably about ninety times. Yeah, yeah my my condolences. Not, not intentionally. Yeah, yeah, on. that's terrible. That well, no one means to fall down the stairs either, but it can happen. Yeah. But um, yeah, like the idea of like a uh, like the in the movie Heavy Metal and in the story, there's like a cab driver. You know, who gets mixed up in this in this thing uh, where the where the girl is the ink call and stuff. It's like she's like a avatar, you know, kind of like Dawn in, in uh, Buffy. And uh, it's um, it's pretty it's pretty good. Like the story is pretty good. And in the movie, it was it was quite an entertaining sequence actually. And I remember when I saw Fifth Element for the first time, I was like, "Oh, this is a ripoff of that story." Okay, <laughs> should have you know at least uh, at least he had the good good grace to like when he. You know, use Valerian to call it Valerian rather than just make pretend it was something that it wasn't. But yeah, um, whatever that guy's name is, Luc Besson. Uh, but yeah, so I used to. I, the reason that heavy metal appealed to me was because I was growing out of the comics that I'd liked so much as a as a kid, and they weren't really you know they weren't really rocking my world anymore, like um, Richie Rich and Archie and stuff like that. So you grew out of Richie Rich, okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Well, you know, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, I mean, I can read it now. You move on to hot stuff. Yeah, you, you know, that's that right. Like, you move on to the hard Huey. stuff, and then you move on to, to you go heavy on metal. To baby Huey, ironically, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, I'm getting some subtext out of the little dot, and it's like, no, you're not. You're right. It's not a commentary on capitalism. It's, it's just pure text. There's no, there's no subtext. That's right. No, and so then I, yeah, so when I saw heavy metal, I mean, I saw that movie, so I knew that it was a thing, and then when I 
was a little older and um and i do think i don't think there was an age restriction for buying it but i probably just didn't have the money to spend on it or i didn't want to spend the money on it so but a little later i you know i started buying it and 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 um and reading it i mean the art's beautiful in it it's really really nice but the nature of it like in in france like books like spiro or pilote and tintin magazine and stuff like that you know they were published weekly so you had four issues a month and so if you were buying them you know you would get a weekly dose of your of the story that you're following but heavy metal was a monthly magazine so you would have to wait a whole month before you would see like the next three pages of the story you know we're you know like so it's one thing to get like 12 pages of a story spread out through the month there's another thing to get three pages you know every month like it's it's just it's hard to stay excited about something when it's it's so frag fragmented and if they had of like you know done it in larger batches that might have made more sense but they never seemed to do that it always felt like they were very short and it ended too quickly and and you didn't get much out of it was my my feeling as a kid but also like I say, just the nature of it being serialized, you were dropped into it somewhere in the middle, whether it was, and I think Den was in there too when I was reading it. Yeah, I think the best way to read it is uh, uh, go to a garage sale and pick up a stack. <laughs> yeah, that would be just, good. Like, work your way through them. Yeah, yeah. I guess the equivalent of that now, I would go on eBay and find someone selling off a whole bunch of them. Oh, but then you got to pay. Yeah, you got to find someone's <laughs> parents. Who doesn't, don't care? Yeah. Yeah, or someone who's just moving out or something like that. And they just, um, That's why I got I was, all my classic Playboys. Yeah, uh, I was looking up uh, Kevin Eastman scene when he uh, took over the magazine. Okay, he took he took it over uh, 1992. Okay, uh, under the name Metal Mammoth, uh, and then sold it Meh. in uh, 2014. Yeah, I think there was a heavy metal movie as well. There was a sequel. Okay. that starred an animated version of Kevin Eastman. Huh. Yeah, I believe there. I believe there was. Uh, I have to look that up. Uh, but here's something I didn't know, yeah. uh, which was uh, the editor-in-chief of uh, Heavy Metal from 2006 uh, on, yeah. now now a creative advisor, has just stepped down, was Grant Morrison. Oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. That's and, pretty good. That's pretty writers good. writers who have uh, written for, uh, like, uh, Stephen King, William Gibson, Harlan Ellison, of course, you can't keep that guy away. Well, he did, because uh, um, Corbin... Corbin um... And illustrated his William William S. Burroughs, who oh. everyone knows as being uh, uh, Mr. Peanut's wingman when he ran for mayor of Vancouver. That's where everyone knows William S. Burroughs. And that's where that's and it's from Burroughs that the term heavy metal comes from. Is that right? From one of his books, yeah, I think from Nova Express or something like that. He uses the term oh, heavy metal. Okay. I mean, it already existed, I think, in as a scientific term for for some of the elements, right? But he used it in a different way, and people went, "Ah, oh, that's a cool word," and we're going to use that word to describe music. Cool. Okay, and uh, to back up what I just said, yep, back yes, it up. there was a single to Heavy Metal, the movie, yep. which was called Heavy Metal 2000, Oops. Uh, that was uh, not based on stories from the magazine, but instead based on a graphic novel Kevin Eastman wrote uh, with Simon Bisley drawing it. And uh, and uh, it was uh, based on his wife, Julie Strain. So, okay, uh, okay. And she did uh, the voice for it as well. Hmm. And she was a very famous uh, B movie actress. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, she's a, a, a nude model. I know her so, name. Yes, I know her name. There you go. Well, look up her number. <laughs> oh. I, got, I got nothing on that. Sorry about that. I got nothing. Uh, yeah, they, and they were going to do some more animated stuff in uh, 2008 and 2009. David Fincher was supposed to be doing stuff, and then that didn't end up happening. That guy. Uh, then there was also going to be typical Tim Miller, Fincher. 
was supposed to do something for it. Zack Snyder, mm-hmm. uh, Gore Verbinski, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yep. Uh, and uh, Paramount uh, Pictures went, uh, uh, no. And just stopped funding it. And that was the thing. <laughs> and then Robert okay. Rodriguez went, oh, I, I got the rights uh, to do something. And that has not happened. He got caught up in the leader. Who, who did? Robert R- Rodriguez. Got caught up in? Alita, Battle Angel. Oh, very good. Yeah. And, and of course, he just directed the most recent uh, Mandalorian. So, Oh, did he? I have not yeah. seen the most recent Ma- Mandalorian, yeah. but I did I did learn rather excitedly that the they were creating a show for the uh, Rosario Dawson character that was in the more recent yes. one. That, uh, that episode uh, did have pilot written, written <laughs> all over it. Like, it basically ended with him going, well, you know, it's like, would you like to... to to, to be part of our, our group? Oh, no, I've got to go and have my own adventure. <laughs> I have to go. Wink. Do. So I'll be going over here, and uh, you'll see more of that. Yeah, okay, fine. We get, I know how a pilot works. <laughs> hey, why does this episode of the Brady Bunch have no Brady Bunch in it? What's it all this guy? Oh, and the kids and the... Oh, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it, I get it. All right, it's fine. Well, hopefully, hopefully they can keep it together. They know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> Do they? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, and uh, the I thought they did too until they heard the the words Gorgu, <laughs> or is it Grogu? Something like that. Anyway, Grogu. Yeah, I think Grogu. That's ah, fine. It's fine. You know, it does explain why he's green. Yeah, he, and also he's like, the lime toffee chew bar. Also, I was going to say is like you know you you know our friend uh, David M. Yeah, does a lot of Gorgo ver- uh, stuff and uh, a lot of Gorgo shows. ads. Yeah, at some at some point going to run out of Gorgo bars. <laughs> that happened long ago, but yeah. Okay, well then, what's going to happen is like <laughs> they're going to bring out some Grogu bars. <laughs> Grogu. And all of a sudden, like shifty, shifty, easy peasy. Yeah, yeah. Then, like new audience, fresh, fresh take. There you go. And there you go. Freshen it all up. Just to ex- explain to listeners, our, our uh, former friend of the show, David M. <laughs> Uh, as part of as part of a, a show when he's performing, he is sponsored by Gorgo, which is a lime toffee flavored chew bar that was produced in Scotland sometime in the remote past. With a, it's uh, based on this uh, monster called Gorgo, who is like a Godzilla-like creature that was in a film called Gorgo that attacked in the movie he attacks London, and so then they created this this lime toffee chew bar using this Gorgo as the mascot or the image for the for it. And so David saw this in a store and thought it was hilarious. That it was because he loved the movie Gorgo. And then he thought that was hilarious. So he started to pretend that no fun shows were sponsored by Gorgo. And he started writing songs based around that. So there'd be like, instead of Gloria, it was G-O-R-G-O Gorgo and uh, a dedicated Gorgo of fashion and, and uh, heart of lime and just all kinds of different songs that were all based around this stuff and uh, most my my favorite one was Gorgo Slumbers where they perform the entire uh, Golden Slumbers part of medley part of the medley at the end of Abbey Road as a Gorgo ad so that was pretty great including Her Majesty is a pretty nice girl or you know wish I would like to make her Gorgo mine so just stuff like that you know so but anyway so then um the company, I guess one of the local reps heard, heard about them doing this since it was mentioned in a newspaper article. And so he contacted them and then he got them like a whole, like a, like a bunch of boxes, like a whole bunch of boxes of oh, Gorgo. And so from the, from the manufacturer in Scotland. And so then, and so then they would just like throw toss it out to the audience during the shows. So they would do the ad and then they would throw a bar out to the audience. But of course they don't, I don't think they make Gorgo anymore. And uh, so now he has this, like a few precious 
drippy, melting gorgos that are wrapped in in uh, you know sandwich bags that we hold up to, for the show now. And that, but they can uh, they're like sacrosanct and cannot be opened or touched or exposed to the air in case they they shrivel up and die like a mummy. Well, so, I'm saying Grogu. <laughs> so Grogu might be the next I mean, one. I think I think almost all of those songs <laughs> that you're talking about. Yeah. Would uh, would flow. Oh yeah, no, they would work well with Grogu. Except, yeah, well, I mean, if you pretended it was lime, it would be good. So yeah, well, it has it's to be lime. Green, so yeah, it know. makes sense, right? Go with lime, guys. Yeah, go with lime, lime and go toffee, with, and go with God. So, <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> I never got a Gorgo, and the whole time I I went to no fun shows. I never was. I never had one tossed towards me that I could catch. No. And I was always too um, polite. Some might say I don't know what the word would be. Cowardly. I was yeah. never. I was never forthright enough to ask David if I could just have a Gorgo bar. So I've never tasted one. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking them up on... But uh, I've held them many, now. many times in my in my hands. A, gor- a Gorgo bar. Let's see. A Grogu bar. Anyone is selling... No, Gogo bars. <laughs> no, Gogo dancers. I hope uh, the Gogo bar is based on the character Gogo from uh, Kill Bill. Uh, Sure. No, it's not. I'm so sorry. Oh, too bad. I'm so I'm so very very sorry. Uh, I was uh, when you're speaking of like the uh, Star Wars thing. Yeah, I can wrap my head around that. Um, uh, a lot of Star Wars stuff was announced. Uh, I was able to tell our friend uh, David Fine, who's a big fan of Rogue One. I'm not. He is big fan. of Rogue How One. weird! I can. You know what? I'm sure that he's only seen it once, and the whole memory of the film is f- for the last section of it, which the third act is pretty good until the the dumb ending. Not the yeah. not not them dying. I think that's fine. I think that's actually quite moving. But no, the the dumb ending of Darth Vader on the ship, which is so dumb. Yeah, when you have a to me again, we can we can unpack this for a million years. <laughs> um, but there's going to be a, a set in that time uh, with one of the characters, I guess, and Andor and Andor. Anyway, one of the main guys. Yeah, that one? He's the cool guy. Sure. Uh, he's got his own series, so we're gonna go back to that world. And the, so there's gonna be a TV series about that. Is that the Mustache guy, the the his, the Hispanic actor. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, cool cat. Latino um, actor. Him. So speaking of cool cats, also a Lando series. Don't know if that's going to be uh, Billy D or it's going to be Glover. I don't know, but they've got a Lando uh, series coming. Feels like that's too much. Uh, the Obi Wan series they've been promising for forever. That's going through. Uh, but here's is it going to have you and McGregor in it? Oh yeah, 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 it's a, yeah. It's a, um, that's but, good. Uh, here's the surprise: is also Hayden Christian. Is in the Obi Wan one? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. So, so it's there you go. so it's not going to be post. I don't know. It's not post. Uh, not post the Sith. The I don't Re- know. Revenge of the Sith one. Then. I don't know. It's going to explain to them falling into a nest of yarblows or whatever they talk about in the I elevator. I don't know what they're going to do, Dan. I don't know. That's what I'm saying to you. I don't know. Well, you know, in terms of the the movies, it would actually be good if they like establish them being friends. Which is never like adequately established in the film, just them telling each other in an elevator ride and laughing like it's something we've never seen before. Remember when you fell into that nest of, you know, whatever they fell yeah. into, ding dongs, and then they got they. Oh, that was funny. In the, I guess Clone Wars, there's a lot of that stuff. But yeah, that's the thing. So uh, maybe they'll. I don't know. And also, look, we can do the de aging face business like crazy. We can do it. So you know, you could do it. You can pull it off. But uh, it just feels so weird that like people hate the prequels so much, and like we're gonna have a prequel TV show. Love it. Enough time has passed. I, I think. 
I think that you're wrong about people hating the prequels so much. I mean, there are, is a generation mm-hmm. of people who hate the prequels, but there's also a generation of people who grew up with the prequels. Okay, well, and it's really count. meaningful for them, you know. No, so. no, it's not. No, and I'll tell you exactly why it's not. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'll tell you exactly. <laughs> you why tell me why these. I will. I will tell you exactly why it. Okay. Okay. Here is why it is. Okay. You're saying this is a generation that grew up with. Loves them. Loves I'm not saying all. Of, I'm not saying all of them, but yeah. Like no, no, I don't care. There's a small amount. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now you, okay. Uh, have you ever been? Have you ever on Halloween? Yeah. Ever, ever seen anyone dress as? Uh, <laughs> Jar- I mean, I'm going to go Jar Jar Binks. That's too much. That's too much. Uh, Boss Nast. Uh, has anyone ever dressed up uh, as you know the diner guy? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Like and people who are Star Wars fans love dressing up as the obscure Dexter Dexter Jester. Has anyone ever dressed up as the as d- diner guy? Django Fett. You ever see a Django Fett in your fucking life? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Okay. And he's a first cool thing. Guy. First thing. First oh, thing. I I only know people. General Grievous. I don't know that many people. I don't. But really, you know I, nerds. I, I don't go to parties. Okay, but you've looked out your window. Like, if there's kids yeah. that, like, grew up loving those movies, yeah. they would have been like, oh, please, please let me dress up as my favorite character from the prequels. <laughs> and it's like, have you ever seen anyone dress like that? Fuck no. No, of course you haven't. Yeah. Even Princess Amidala. I mean, awesome costumes. Yeah, so that's, they're pretty great. From. A yeah. freaking delight. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Anything? Nothing. Not one. Not a one. So they didn't like it. They didn't. There's no, you ever seen a kid playing with their prequel dolls? Never. Nope. Not, not a thing. Ever. <laughs> well, I haven't, this, but i This I'm... thing that delighted people that you go like, oh, people loved it. No. <laughs> I no. don't know. I don't know. You're more likely to see someone dressed as the Starlight pig. Yeah. Well, you can get Princess Amidala costumes. You I just can. feel, yeah. And have you seen seen one on someone? Well, no, because I... No, I of course you haven't. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in that... Like, I feel like that generation... Was grown up by the time I was doing Halloween. Was it? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. That seems like you're right Mary in was, the pocket. Mary was three, I think, when the first one came out. Yeah, it seems you're right in the pocket then for uh, for you know people dressing up as their favorite character. But I don't think that kids. I don't think kids. I don't think it's a movie like like. Yeah, I just anyway. It seems like that's a movie that's uh, everyone. Every, like not everyone, but it's it's has a has a coterie of fans who want to uh, right. to re- restore it. Into, well, here's into what's going to go down: is you're going to see uh, much like with Mandalorian, I believe. Yeah, uh, you're going to see redemption for the lamest characters that that are around. <laughs> I think you're going to see okay uh, in the in this. You're going to get. You're probably going to get a Princess Amidala. There's no, you know, she'll do it. Uh, she'll she'll be there. She put on the makeup. It'll all be fine. Uh, and here's the real trick: is like I think they're gonna somehow redeem Jerger. I think they're gonna do something with him. They're gonna, you know just pull that completely out. Because uh, you know again, I don't want to say what's happening in in this season of The Mandalorian, but they've taken one of the characters that just had the most punk ass situation and just gone ooh, and now it's like super cool. It's like <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You you, you go what's the, what was the mistake we made? Okay, well, let's fix that. All hmm. right, now it's now it's fun. Now there's a lot more. Now it's now we're having a good time. Hmm. It's like yeah, that's how you do. I'll take your word for it. Okay, and also uh, Patty Jenkins, uh, director the, of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is doing a Rogue Squadron movie because uh, she always wanted to do that kind of movie. And the trailer that she put together, which is her roller kind of rollerblading up to a car and talking about her father, who was a fighter pilot, and uh, it was really really sweet. It's kind of 
it's very, very touching and how she's always wanted to do this kind of movie. And now all of a sudden, like she's able to do the two things she loves at the same time. And uh, it's a very nice, just uh, her talking to the camera trailer. Very, very cool. So yeah, I think that's, that's going to be fun as well. There's a lot of, uh, there's a, there was a lot of good trailer reaction going on. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, good, it's funny. I didn't, I saw an image of Obi-Wan and okay. so I thought, oh, I wonder if that's going to be a show. And then I, I saw a definite, like, cr- like a title card sort of thing of of the Rosario Dawson show. Yes. And I, that's all I've seen, though. I guess I was, yeah, I guess I was out of it. I guess I was out I'm of it. I'm not sure if they're live action or, uh, or if they're uh, animated. I know like the Bad Batches, but then also Marvel. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm burying the. They also show the, um, the, uh, the logo for Why the Last Man. Which was uh, great to see, and that was a surprise. Who showed that? Uh, they did. Disney. Um, it's a because, Disney. It's a Disney show. Oh, well, this is the. Mm, I'll tell you. Uh, here, here comes the answer to the question that's about to be asked. Uh, <laughs> to me, it was a surprise as well. It was like, yeah. hey, what's the what's over this? Yeah. And it's because it's on Hulu. Oh, of course. And yeah, Hulu yeah. Hulu is, is owned Disney. by Disney. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they uh, they showed the uh, the logo for the first time, and that was a thrill. I didn't expect that. So it was like, oh, hey. I was able to. Uh, Hulu has become the dumping ground for shows that Disney is too scared to put on the Disney Channel. Disney well, Plus. there you go. It's nice to, uh, you know, my wife shows in the dumping ground. <laughs> um, well, I don't mean that they're scared to have Y on uh, or even uh, plan to have Y, but that's interesting. That's really there's good. A lot of good. There's a lot of good business going on. Um, so there's that. So then they show the WandaVision trailer, which was great. The Loki trailer, which was really great. Uh, mm. What if the animated series? That was also yeah, a yeah. Real and uh, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of uh, fun stuff, but to the point where it doesn't look like there's any uh, linear Marvel stuff coming in. Like, there's no, hey, what's going on? Well, it's this character, and then there's a villain, and the world's in danger. Everything seems to be, uh, shit's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> We're going through time, and there's other dimensions. 16 of you, and there's all this kind of stuff. And huh. What if this guy was a lady? And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> so are you okay. saying that you're saying that they're in a holding pattern right now? I think they have. Uh, I think they had a lot of fun with Avengers uh, Endgame. Yeah, they they took a lot of risks and did and did stuff that was like, uh, and they and they, and they, they worked. Yeah. So they went, well, we can do a lot of stuff here. Yeah, but yeah, they could also be in a holding pattern. Where if you want to like build something to a dramatic, you know, another you can't really Thanos it again. So what are you going to do? When you say they like, took, when you say they took risks in Endgame, like what do you mean? Like what was what was risky about it? Oh, uh, what was risky about it was like revisiting the previous movies and uh, and and then using the re- like basically they started in a very dark, dramatic, almost realistic uh, uh, situation. Even yeah. Though, like, yeah, the situation is not realistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, it but it's starts, treated it's in the within the within the universe of the film. It's a, it's a serious right. situation. It starts with Captain America, you know, in a support meeting, in a very grounded support meeting with mm-hmm. the broken people and just trying, and everyone just trying to get through it, and everyone's yeah. just beaten down and realistically depressed. And when you even when you see like Tony Stark coming from space, which is you know like a big miracle, amazing, beautiful thing, yeah. he's skinny as hell and he's a freaking mess and everyone's just like Ugh. but realistically everyone's Ugh, low dark whoa and it leads to the most crazy idea of let's visit our past movie and 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 steal things from ourselves and meet every character that we've met before and then like when that's done yeah the movie's not even done 
at that point, they blow up the damn, uh, you know, fortress. You know, the clubhouse. That's all blown up. Well, that's enough. No! Now, the guy that you killed earlier is back and infinite aliens, and now we're going to bring everybody back, and it's just like, that's ever been in anything. Yeah, that was just, like, really risky. Like, people could, at any point, that could have just been, oh, you've lost me. This is, this is too much. Settle down. Pick a tone. I feel like they had to blow up the Avengers headquarters. It, sure, sure. There's no, no, they just could not ha- It could never get rid of the stank of the Tony Stank scene <laughs> in Civil War. Yeah, the stank is gone. And oh, so they just had to, too. they just had to like erase it. What was that story? Who's got it? War Machine's got a series. Oh, uh, brother. Uh, he's, uh, it's um, Armor Wars, so it's uh, him, him uh, going and getting uh, other people who are using Tony's armor for their own <laughs> super villainy. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also another spinoff uh, from that that is Iron Heart, which is a woman who builds a suit of armor that's the second best suit of armor in the world, and she's uh, she's amazing. And then uh, it's like, what's what are we gonna do with that? Uh, and then she, mm. she is her own character. So they're gonna. That sounds interesting. Yeah, uh, she's a good character in the in the comic. They've created their own WB. They have. You know, and they've got Ms. Marvel as well, which I think is gonna be uh, is gonna be fine. That she's a very interesting character. So yeah, they're doing the. I mean, it sounds like the more grounded stuff. Well, I was gonna say the more grounded stuff is on TV, but no, you got Wandavision, which is crazy, <laughs> and uh, Loki, which is uh, you know uh, time travel, crazy adventures with Owen Wilson. So ah, we'll, so we'll and see. And the uh, Hawkeye cast is crazy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fear Farmiga and and I love other the, people. They've got uh, the dog from the the comic. It's this dog, Pizza Dog. Mm. You occasionally in the comics see things from the dog's perspective. Hmm. And uh, that, yeah, that's just great. Uh, it's a, you know what? It's 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 nice in a time where things are just like so. You know, uh, to to be like, oh no no no, this stuff's coming up. There's hmm. there's fun stuff as well. We're yeah. gonna have fun stuff in the future. Here you go. You know. But uh, one thing that kind of bugged me today was I saw a trailer for something I really want to see, which is uh, the new Bob Odenkirk film. Have you seen this? I uh, once again I saw a poster image for it of him getting punched in the in the jaw. Yeah, and it's called. Is it? It's called. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Nobody. Nobody. I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's called outdoors, and everybody. No, that's not right. I don't know why I thought that was right. Forget it. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I, nobody. Yeah. Yeah. And again, and not being spoiled because I know you don't like watching trailers sometimes, but like it looks like. I like watching you, a trailer once, and then oh, I just okay. stop. Well, you'll like this trailer. It's a good trailer. Okay. Um, Check it out. It's a, it's a trailer that you know you go like, oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. Here's what it's gonna be, and then you go like. Oh, wait, it's going to be one of these movies. That's what it's going to be. And then he does something and you go like, oh, that's not going to be that kind of movie. What's he doing? Oh, and then, you know, by the end, you're like, yeah, let's see this movie. What's this? Uh, yes. And then only in theaters. Ah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> only in theaters. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think in movie uh, in February only in theaters? Who knows what things are going to be like then? It probably won't be uh, in theaters in February. It'll probably yeah. probably come along later. Yeah, along with on. everything else, it's gonna be like at some point in the in the coming year, there's gonna be some period where where all you wanted will want to do is go to movies for two months because there'll just be so much stuff, oh so much stuff yeah. popping into theaters. Just like oh, Dune and yeah. whatever else, Dune and he does a, he does some Dune. Good, that's the one I can think of. Yeah, he does some good ass kicking in the uh, in the trailer, and it's it's nice because like a couple of years ago. I, I met him, and he was uh, directing a show that I was uh, like a live show yeah. that I was part of, and 
at one one point, um, we had like a 20 minute set that we were going to do me and my comedy group. I said, everyone's got to cut it down to 10 minutes. And uh, I was like, oh boy. And uh, and and so we discussed that, and I found a way of doing it. And now I'm looking at him, going like, oh, I'm glad I did because yes, super, <laughs> super super badass. I also really like. Uh, uh, guys who are uh, substantially older than me being kick-ass action characters and, uh, you know, not being Tom Cruise, but I'm like, yeah, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. All right. I'm buying this. Mm -hmm. Okay. I feel good. I feel good. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm enjoying watching this nice 58-year-old man uh, kicking a bunch of ass. Yes. Yes, sir. I'm for this. Hooray. Huzzah. Blue to like, because you can see like a Tom, uh, sorry, a, a Keanu Reeves. And they go like, yeah, we're comparable in age. But, uh, yeah, Bob, good. Mm -hmm. yeah, he, he's the fine. new Liam Neeson, I guess. Sure. Why not? He could be. <laughs> I'm all for it. And I'm all for uh, anyone going from comedy to, uh, to, uh, to action as well. I'm all for that, too. Hooray. Okay. Cool. Cool, indeed. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, movie theaters being open again. Uh, you were asking me earlier on, do I drink uh, do I do I drink tea or coffee? No, no. You were talking earlier, and and you said um, something about yeah. I, I, I well, anyway, it doesn't matter. But, but then I, I was so I was curious. Then I was I was wondering if you simultaneously began drinking tea and coffee. But no, no you 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 said that and said you said. I'll let you. I went off. I went off tea for quite a while because here's what happened. Okay. Uh, when I was a young a young man, uh, mm -hmm. my mother wanted me to drink. Milk. Drink what, sorry? Milk. You don't like milk, drinking milk? Milk from a cow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, a, as a small child, yeah. sure. Uh, but as I got a little older, eh, <laughs> uh, I did not care for it. Okay. And so uh, what she would do is she'd go, uh, well, we're all having tea. Like, oh, I like. Uh, all right, that sounds like an adult drink. <laughs> I'm all for that. Yeah. So she would fill a glass with milk yeah. and then fill it with like eh, two millimeters of tea. Sure. Like on the top. Little, little bit, and some little, little bit tea. Sugar, some British tea, some British tea, sugar in there, a little yep. tiny bit of sugar, and uh, I was like, uh, I'm drinking tea, <laughs> and so I drink it, and um, and then eventually I realized this is, oh. so tea to me just became like a big scam. <laughs> this is a scam. Yeah. So I stopped drinking. I just stopped drinking tea, and I stopped. I never drank coffee. Okay. I tried drinking coffee in high school. Uh, a friend of mine, Susan Hunkin. Um, who uh, I was acting with in high school, mm -hmm. she was like, oh, I'll show you how to drink coffee. Yeah. She was showing, she gave me a good breakdown of how to drink coffee and <laughs> drink it with three sugars. Okay. Then you work your way down to two sugars. Okay. And one sugar if you have to, but it's better to not drink it with Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and, and you know what? It just became like too expensive to, uh, to, to go get coffee. For some reason, there was more soda around than there was coffee. Yeah. So I drink whatever was free and I'd be performing in bars and so I could get free bar coke, but a coffee was like, so I stopped drinking coffee. Yeah. And then uh, later, later, later on, I started drinking. Um, I started drinking uh, coffee just for the uh, uh, calming effects. I see. Uh, because uh, when I started dating uh, my wife, she was saying how uh, occasionally she'd have like a friend who was having a panic attack, and one of the things that she would get them to do is like make yourself a black cup of coffee, sip it slowly, and I'll come right over. And it's like, well, what's the black cup of coffee do? And it's like, it just makes you feel better. Uh, it's like, it, and it's kind of tricks you into feeling calmer. It's also warm. And I was like, oh, that's good to know. And I, I, there was a couple of times where I was kind of freaking out. And I was like, I should have coffee around. And so <laughs> I started drinking coffee when I started freaking out. Yeah. And then I started drinking coffee kind of not for the taste. I don't like the taste at all. But just because I did like the sensation. That, yeah. But because I was making coffee, uh, other people around me didn't like coffee. So I, I, I 
make tea for them. Yeah. And then I go like, ah, I'll just have a tea as well. So I started drinking both coffee and tea. So now I, I drink both. Huh. And that's where, that's my whole story about coffee and tea. <laughs> so I drink chai tea for them. I see. I see. Yeah, which is very nice. A nice soothing. Uh, very uh, they fancy like it tea. with uh, milk. I do not like it with milk because I'm not being tricked again. <laughs> I love milk. I don't like warm milk. Like I don't, I don't like it. I don't think I would like it straight out of a cow. Although I have drank milk straight from a cow. When you say that, do you mean through the bucket or straight from? The- I have well from the teat to to a cup to my mouth. Yes. Okay, but you haven't done. Straight. I haven't got down on my hands and knees and sucked on a teat of a cow. No. Well, you don't even have to suck on it. You can just like pull it. The squirt in your mouth. That's kind of. That's. I guess if someone could do that, but uh, I was milking yeah. my. I was doing the and milking. And the cats so. jump up and they are delighted. That's what <laughs> Have you ever milked a cow? It's quite an extraordinary feeling. I have. Yeah, okay. Was a, as a very, very young man, okay. I do not remember what the feeling was like. I've done it as an old man, because I... Not an old man, but I did it when I was younger, because I took the girls, both girls, at different times to dairy farms as part of school or preschool trips and stuff like that. And while you're there, of course, the kids get an opportunity to try to milk. And if adults want to, they also get a chance. And of course, I wanted to, so I got got to try and do it too but it, it does it does take a, i can when you start doing it and you start to get the rhythm of it it's it's very very exciting because initially it's you're not doing it properly and then you f- you figure out how to kind of draw your hand down to sort of you know get the milk start to start to flow and once that starts happening you get the rhythm of it it's it is pretty exciting feeling but i love i love cold milk from the fridge i keep i keep our fridge as cold as i possibly can uh without causing everything inside it to turn into ice uh, just so I can have like cold, cold milk in it, and I, I love that. Well, uh, prepare. There's a. I mean, you're fine. You got your electrified fridge. <laughs> there's going to be a, a shortage of dry ice in the next little while. So heads up on that. Okay. Because uh, the because of all the vaccination, you got to keep the the vaccines cold. That's so, fine. I'm willing so to claiming, sacrifice my dry ice. Claiming so. the the dry yeah. ice. Oh, sorry. Going That's back fine. just a bit. I'll have this to. I'll have to take down my 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 pretend laboratory downstairs where I keep the the dry ice flowing out of the vials and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, it does look really great. Sure. All right, uh, I'm just gonna say the two Marvel things I didn't mention. Yeah. One that I am not at all interested, in, which means I may like it, and the and the th- and something that I am very interested in. Okay. Very surprised by. Okay. Thing that I am not interested. in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making another Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Uh, it's that's enough. We're good. We're good. We've given it. If old college try. I wish fantastic four movies were good. I wish that we could start it. I wish they could start it like in the middle of, of their like somewhere to start it later on in their run. Maybe they could. I don't see why they couldn't. Like, I don't see, I think I don't see anything wrong with the concept of the fantastic four, except for the fact, and this is probably going to get people mad at me as they're boring. Yeah. All right. They're, They're, They're boring. Yeah. They're boring. So the excitement of the fantastic four is what's happening around them. They're not exciting. Yep. You know, thing the thing is kind of funny. You know, he's a good kind of Jimmy Durante character. But everyone else is as dull as Ditchwater. Let's face it. Yeah, which is weird because they have interesting powers that should be interesting. But Mr. Fantastic never uses them in an interesting way. No. He's not, like, he's not like Plastic Man. Yeah. You know, it's not interesting. And, uh, and, and they always make a big deal out of, like, you know, the invisible uh, girl slash woman. She's much more powerful than expected with force fields and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, okay. But she turns invisible. That's not that big a deal. And uh, force fields, I guess they could be interesting if she shaped them into things, but she doesn't. And then they go, oh, how about Johnny Storm? Like, he controls fire. Oh, that's, I don't know, but he can't really burn people without even being sad. So he can't really do anything. There's nothing really he can do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, <laughs> there's ways. There's ways you could make it interesting. Well, I, I really feel yeah. like Fantastic Four really lost, lost, lost it when when um, Thor two, three, so for the the uh, Taika Waititi version of of Thor used like the Kirby esque elements for the designs. Like it would have been so great to have like like a Fantastic Four take place in a in a Kirby esque world with like Kirby machines and things like that as part of like the background or even like the foreground, like even the things that you're using mm-hmm. have that Kirby design feel to them. You know, that would have been so great and it you know, it wouldn't be that hard to do because you just it would all it could be CGI and you can just make these wonderful, you know, uh Kirby scapes of of machinery and even just his like landscapes and stuff like that are wonderful. And it would have been you know so like I would just love like the image of them being in like this a giant like say they find like a derelict ship and they're walking through it and it's like kind of dark and it's huge like a huge cavernous ship but it has all this Kirby elements to it that would be so cool to see you know them just sort of trying to explore this place and uh, yeah it's unfortunate that they kind of lost the lost the, the I can't remember the, I can't think of the the um the idiom for it but I, they lost something they lost yeah it feels like they they could like explorers is is good like that's what i kind of think of like my go with the angle they're not superheroes yeah yeah that's they're right explorers and occasionally mr <laughs> fantastic will What's... let the pandora's box open yeah and like now we're all oh, now we got the negative zone oh no oh we did something what happened we sent a signal out now galactus <laughs> well oh yeah we made ourselves but tea. that's the thing like not that they're explorers but that they're scientists because that's what they are well he is yeah yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, Johnny. Johnny isn't. In you can. Band. You can. We can fudge that little element of other characters. Sue is if you want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's just let's get rid of Sue's character from the comics. Like, that's... She's not. Da- she wasn't dating her older professor in college <laughs> uh, when she was a teenager. Let's, let's get rid of all. Yeah. Let's get rid of all that nonsense. Um, so, but um, yeah, I think if if you have this idea that they're yeah scientists explorers, or even just doing some. Something that's sort of interesting, but, you know, a sort of a, a sort of like a, you know, just sort of happenstance that's not really part, not really driving the plot, but it's interesting in itself. Like, I don't, like, I was sort of thinking of them um, taking, like, an alien back to its home planet, and then they, then they stumble upon something, and then that kind of kickstarts the story, you know, and, and you don't need to, but, so you can kind of have their characters explained within that op- opening idea of them with this, this alien character. And then, then you, you know, then you sort of introduce it more and more as you get into the story, and they start using their powers and stuff. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, like the majority of the Fantastic Four stories mm-hmm. didn't have the Fantastic Four wanting to be what they were. No, like Reed was always like he just wants to work on his invention. Yeah, he's he, in fact he doesn't even want to talk to Sue. Like he just <laughs> wants to work on his inventions. And yeah, Sue wants to do stuff with her family. Yeah, she's not like hey, we should uh, go on patrol and see if there's any crime. Like she's the, she didn't give a shit. Yeah, she has to stay home, and she's like, and scold the boys for the most part. Johnny <laughs> wants to work on cars and date girls. That's yeah. what he wants. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't go flying out looking for trouble. Sure. And Ben's just ashamed to look in the mirror. He doesn't yeah. want nothing. 
Maybe oh, but he's in love. He's in love with Alicia. Is that her name? The yeah. blind, the blind girl. Sculptor. Uh, sculptor. So he's doing yeah. a lot of sexy nudes. <laughs> a lot of posing. I mean, listen, listen. Good for Alicia. Like, all right. So you're. A you don't think he's called the thing because he's made of rocks, do you? Yeah. Well, the thing is just as. When we talk about the thing. It's like Frankenstein, Frankenstein. I like how I like how I I hint at it and you just say it right now. Yeah, <laughs> His name's Ben. His penis is thick. Exactly. So when people say, "Here comes the thing," they're saying, "Here comes his dick." And they go, "I don't know why he's so grim." Yeah. I mean, to me, they talk about like Alicia and like, "Oh, she's the greatest sculptor in the world." Yeah. It's like, is she though? Because like, what does she sculpt? I sculpt uh, what? You, I sculpt out of uh, clay and out of stone. Oh, yeah. what do you sculpt? This guy made of clay and stone. Well, then, big fucking deal. <laughs> she what does more than that. She does other. What you do? Two eyes. She does other you things put two too. Eyes in it and a nose, and now it's him. I mean, it's the easiest sculpture in the world for you to do. Yeah. You, know, you could do Mr. Fantastic. That guy is miles of arms and legs, but that's a tricky guy to do. Good luck. But no, no, it's like I'll do the guy's rocks already. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, I think I think if you if you had like a story, yeah, like it would be interesting if you know, like going along with this idea that they're returning this this alien being who, for some reason, sure. I picture as like a, a like a sort of a young female, like a teenager that somehow ended up on Earth and and shouldn't have been there. And um, but I like the idea of like uh, Reed being like kind of resentful because he's it's taking away from his inventions, from his his yeah. work as a scientist. But Sue's kind of interested because you know, for her, her science maybe is more exploring more out there rather than an inward sort of inventing science. He's more about exploring and, and studying the world or the universe. And yeah, it would be, yeah, it would, I think that would be very, very interesting. Yeah. They're very much, I would say they're the reluctant, uh, like yeah. the thing with the, the thing with the defenders where they were like an anti team, which I never understood what that <laughs> meant. But, but I like the idea of like, they're just a family yeah. that has powers. Yeah. Okay. And they don't, and maybe it was always strange to me too that like the public loved them, loved them more than anyone. They loved them more than the Avengers. Yeah. They loved them more than the Defenders. They loved them way more than Spider Man. They hate Spider Man. Yeah. But they love these like, guys. Well, that's because of J. Jonah like, Jameson, but like, yeah, that's true. But like, why do they love these guys? I don't know. But uh, you know, they would hate the fame too. They were like, oh, leave us alone. We just want to live our lives. <laughs> so yeah, you could have them as like the reluctant family that happens to be in the superhero world yeah and you know they want to do their business and they and they end up exploring uh that's true occasionally have to take a selfie with somebody and, <laughs> and do their thing so yeah you could, you could do it that way just, but yeah there's just been so many weird takes on it and it's it's eh. well okay, there's so, so many boring the, takes on it yeah so. that's the one i'm not i'm like man the one i'm <laughs> ah, about yeah is uh, james gunn is directing a christmas special uh, oh. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Okay. So they're yeah. Like I'm only going to watch it if Maude is in it. So. Oh well, I, she's uh, B. Arthur isn't with us anymore. Listen, they have Carrie Fisher in those movies. Uh, yeah. You, do you want them to do that to B. Arthur? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah, there's a bit of me too. Again, you know my thing with Maude Eisley is like I think that it's a gay bar because it's all dudes. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that suggest that to me. Okay. And then the one woman that you've ever seen at Maz Eisley is like B. Arthur. Yeah. And you're like, hmm. Gay yeah, icon. Yeah. Really gay icon. B. Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. But uh, so Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special is coming up. Cool. And uh, I suggested then that's fine as long as there's also a Suicide Squad Saturnalia special. And uh, <laughs> James Gunn liked that idea. So there you go. So <laughs> there is great. one. That's great. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank, thank you. Thank me. I'm going to thank you now. 
because I have a feeling that if it actually does happen, I won't be thanking you then. Yeah. Thank me. <laughs> I know. I'm just glad to get more Guardians of the Galaxy. This sounds, uh, this sounds good. <laughs> Excellent. Do, are, you, are you upset and bitter that you have to wait for a Suicide Squad movie to happen before you can get your next Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy fix? You know what? I'm just pleased it's going to happen. It didn't look like he was going to be able to do one yeah, yeah. for a while there. I was there at uh, Comic-Con when that got announced. He got kicked off that film. and it was. Uh, I was walking by when I heard this. Uh, like uh, about 10 minutes later, I was walking by a Guardians of the Galaxy pinball machine. Okay. And it made me very sad. <laughs> I looked at this pinball machine and I was like, oh. Because <laughs> I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, yeah, they're great. You know, well, like, the first one's great. I like the first one. Again, I go like, uh, I really like the second one. Uh, but like, they, they got so much heart to them with mm-hmm. such a silly concept that again, I always, I'm always admiring when someone can, you know, uh, do that kind of, uh, the switches back and forth really impress me in, in a movie. You can like take a tonal switch like that and, and, and still get it. Mm. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, looking forward to it. And I'm sure that uh, I'm just surprised it's going to be a Christmas special. It's not a holiday special. It's a Christmas special. Oh, is that what I said? It's a Christmas special, not a holiday? Yeah. Yeah. It's the guardian. Oh wait, no holiday special, but he's calling it a Christmas. Oh, but the sign. Okay. But now the okay. It says the holiday special on the Marvel studios thing. Mm. He's calling it a special. Huh? I wonder if we're going to meet I, Space Jesus. I guess there's no line of speech in, in the uh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Interesting. Also, the nice thing is it means you're going to get another mixtape. So that's that's always a tr- I know all those songs. Oh, okay. Well, fine. <laughs> it's well, fine. if you know all those songs, why don't you do a podcast where you play your own mixtape? I, well, I will. I will well, start one. What are you going to call it? Uh, maybe if I did it, I would call it Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Well, why don't you put it on every two weeks then, if you like it? But so <laughs> well, maybe I will. I, you okay, can. Have... Well, you know what? I don't want to listen to just you. Yeah, you don't have to. You know, I probably have like a have like a co-host of some sort. Yeah, I probably have like a co-host. Like maybe I don't know. Probably my daughter would do it. No one else would. But what sure, how many votes could... do you need? Are you just hoping people will drop off votes because you know you bring your daughter to the podcast? <laughs> I'm hoping for votes. <laughs> so many votes. <laughs> First they came. I didn't. Get, I didn't get that reference. <laughs> votes. Yeah. yeah votes. Remember? I think I. I was kicking myself last week because I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually. Pop, uh, whatever the word is, I didn't uh, plug the the newest listening party. But there was oh. one that came out last week. Everyone, in case you didn't know that. Oh, okay. I think most people are aware of it, but. Well, there you go. I uh, I forgot that I was doing a. I I, I promised the critical hit folks that I'd plug. Uh, those as well. I've been doing this. Uh, I, I used to do the live critical hit shows back mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. did things live at the Real Theater. Yeah. And so we've been every two weeks. We've been doing um, role playing comedy uh, shows on uh, Twitch TV. So Twitch TV uh, slash Eric Fell one word. And we've been doing those on Wednesdays. Okay. And uh, last and sometimes the shows start at uh, eight, and sometimes they start at seven. And I did not realize this started at 7 yesterday. So uh, <laughs> if you watch the very beginning of yesterday's show, I'm a little out of breath. And uh, all I say for like the first two minutes is, I'm aware this is going on. <laughs> of course I'm here. Why wouldn't I be? So, it's good to... Uh... Very disheveled. <laughs> Well, at least you didn't tube in it. Oh my God, what's what's tubing? What's tubing it? Uh, that Jeffrey Tubin, who was the New Yorker writer, who was caught masturbating during a during a Zoom meeting. Oh, okay, very, very good. Okay, well, yeah. all right, sure. 
No, I was in a completely other room uh, when I got like, a, a message that said, uh, hope you're on your way to the show, which first of all was like, are we doing the shows live now? And then, and then I was like, no. Oh, geez. And then, yeah, had to go and do all the technical stuff, set it all up, set it all up. And then, I know. I thought you were talking, uh, for some reason you said tube in it. It made me think of Belvedereing it, and uh, which is a different thing that's also embarrassing. What is Belvedereing it? Oh, uh, that was um, the. Uh, are you familiar with the TV show Mr. Belvedere? I am, but based on the movie, Mr. Bel- Mr. Belvedere rings the bell. Right. That's uh, yeah. There's a couple of Mr. Belvedere movies. Um, well, the actor who's in the TV series Mr. Belvedere mm-hmm. famously at one point um, uh, sat down too quickly and sat on his balls. <laughs> I I didn't know that, but that's yeah. And that was so, a good description uh, of it. That's that's called Belvedereing it. <laughs> okay. and, uh, it did not go well for him. Huh. A larger man. It's not. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Know, it's a it's a bad uh, confluence of uh, circumstance of being an elder gentleman with a low hang. Yes, I was going to say that uh, apparently is and a bit of weight. Yeah, and so uh, it, it did a little damage and. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I, that did not occur. Yeah, yeah. So everything's fine. But uh, sorry, I, for, I forgot about uh, Jeffrey Tubin. It happened. Uh, it happened during a live broadcast, so they had to put up the testicle pattern. So to keep. Fucking. Please Tubin. stand. Come on, man. Please stand Come by. On, Tubin. Oh, Tubin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it feels like the cool thing to do would have been for everyone else to just start masturbating. <laughs> right. Don't make him feel bad. Yeah, it's just like, hey, we're all, you know, we all like get into it, and it's like, yeah, done. I don't know. Now we move along with our lives, and it doesn't become a whole big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's, I guess that for a writer, for a New Yorker writer, that is unusually for the rest, like unlike the rest of us, that's probably the second most common thing you're doing in front of your laptop. But I don't know. I just feel like there's time and a place for for yeah. that kind of behavior. Well, I'm just, I'm just a New Yorker cartoonist, and let me just say. <laughs> No, knock it off. <laughs> I always like the thing of, uh, of Mark Marin where he would talk about how, you know, he's got his uh, fancy good computer for doing all the stuff on, and then he's got the filthy one in the garage. <laughs> uh, that, which then, yeah. now that I'm thinking about it, because yeah. uh, it was always like, you know, this thing will do anything and then judge it. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's where you do your podcast. Yeah. Ugh! It's like, what are you talking about? I know what happened in this garage. <laughs> and then you interviewed the president in that garage. Mark, come, come on. on. Oh, well. <laughs> Share the I space. Gotta my, I got to tell my wife, no rush. I'm turning off the cooker. So there we go. Everything's okay. Fine. Good, good. Whew. Yeah, she's uh, locked cooker. in uh, under a cat. A cat has now taken over her lap, and there's nothing you can do. Mm. Nothing that's good. You can do. That's good. Hey, you know, people oops, talk, sorry, talk about Shakespeare and how much he wrote. I'm like, well, he didn't have a cat. Clearly, he didn't have a cat that sat on his lap, and then you know, I got to deal with cat. Just play with cat. For a while. Otherwise, he would have written a lot less plays. Anyway, hmm. please. Seems like a anyway. Um, but of course, in those days, you know, they had less to do, so the cat petting time was was much. They you know, had more free time for cat yeah, petting and playwriting. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. have to bring out your dead. Yeah. And that took an hour because uh, there's always a couple of people who died in your house. Sure. These are all euphemisms, of course, for masturbating is what you mean. What? Shakespeare was oh. tubing it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> is this a dagger I see before me? Because put it away. That's right. No one wants to see that. Is it was originally called? Get out of here! Is originally called the Glob Theater. So, um, uh, on Saturday. Here, by the way, what? Sorry, yeah. 
Go, no, you, 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 you honestly, you're much better. Go. No, no, you, you say what you're going to no, say. No, 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 no. If this is related to what we were talking about before, I'm just, I was going to go in a completely different direction. But if you, if you want to carry on, I just want, I want you to carry on. Go on. I caught the last couple of minutes of a drunk. History, okay. And I didn't realize how they built the globe. Theme. Okay. They stole another theme. Oh, is that right? They went, they, they went at night and they stripped down another theater completely and just rebuilt it. Really? Yeah, yeah. And this other guy lost his theater because they had Shakespeare and his uh, his friends stole the theater and like rebuilt it. Okay, is world. that true or is that his drunk? Well, I think the drunk history things are true. Not always. Oh wait, what uh, what one is not true? Well, don't don't uh, sort of inaccuracies creep in because they're getting drunker and drunker. Isn't that part of the point of no, it? No, I think they make sure that the thing was uh, was uh, was was true. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. I thought the part of the humor of it was the the. The fact that they forget the actual history and have to start to improvise a little bit because the the alcohol has affected their memory at least. Well, I will double. I will double look it up. Yeah, he stole his own theater. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, he stole uh, stole the theater. That's true. He stole his own uh, theater. Yeah, he stole the he, he stole he stole the theater. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, from Puritan landowner uh, Giles uh, Allen. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was on the Allen's land. It was uh, yeah. And uh, one of the artists uh, was William Shakespeare, and uh, yeah, he, uh, and Alan said he was going to shut down the theater because he's a Puritan. Yeah, and he says the place dumb. So <laughs> shut it down. Yeah, shut it down. And then uh, so they stole the theater and they moved it over and they they built it up as the Globe. And uh, and there you go. That's what they did because uh, the Puritan was uh, shutting down the theater. Huh. I remember in um, Eng- I'm, we even talked about this show before, but I'm going to talk about it again. In English lit class, okay. in grade twelve, in my in my high school days, my glorious high school days, they weren't that glorious, <laughs> but grade twelve, um, in about glory days, we were doing we you know you do your different section segments and we got to the Cavalier poets. You remember the Cavalier poets? These were no. these were sort of sounds like part of a boat. <laughs> you think of the Cavalier post? Yeah, it's different. The Cavalier poets were I can't remember the names anymore now. Um, but you know, gather your your rosebuds as ye may, and all those sort of things. Okay. Um, those kind of you know, which is basically a come on to a to a, a a comely maiden, I suppose, as he's attempting to tell her to exhort her to have sex with him because you know t- time's a waste, and it's basically what he's saying you're not going to be young forever, so let's have some fun while you're young, you know. And he, then like when you're Sir John Suckling, Robert uh, Herrick, Herrick, yes, Herrick is the one who wrote. Thomas Yes, yes. And so, and I think Lovelace, was that one other one? Yeah, Richard like Lovelace. And so... He also did a lot of uh, uh, porn in the early 70s. <laughs> he did. He wrote Deepeth Throteth. So then, um, uh, in the class, like, so we, you know, we heard about the Cavaliers, we heard about the Puritans. Like, John Milton was a Puritan, for instance. He, John, John Milton was, uh, was, uh, he basically wrote, uh, a treatise explaining why it was okay to kill the king uh, before the before Prince or King Charles was beheaded. He wrote like, this long thing because it was going to be it, it was so shocking at the time the idea that they were going to kill the representative of God on earth, the King of England, you know. And so he had to write this treatise that like argued why it was okay to do this, and it still didn't sit well with people, but it, they did it anyway. But um, it, during the class, the teacher said, he said, "Well, who here?" sees himself as a Puritan and who here sees himself as a Cavalier. So he asked, you know, 
for Puritans put up their hands. And every single person in the class, bar me and a girl I was sitting beside, put up their hands. And then Cavaliers, and we put our hands up. I'm like, who wants to be a Puritan? Like, don't you want to be like the good time Cavaliers who are out there trying to have sex and have fun? Like, ugh. Oh, I want to be a Puritan. Like, this seems so weird. And I have to say right now that I am a, I am a non-carousing Cavalier. You know, like, I don't, you know, I don't do any carousing. So it was just you and one other woman was a Cavalier? Yeah. Like, would, would, would identify, would self-identify as Cavalier. Oh. And so did you ask her out? I it seems like that's the time to make I the move. I did not. I did not do that. And I kicked myself to the day because I was good friends with her. Okay. And I always... You know, which of course, at that time in my life, I interpreted all friendship with girls as just we're friends, and they were good not interested. They were not interested in me in any way at all. Good, good call to make. I know. Good safe call to make. I know. <laughs> you know, I saved myself a lot of heartbreak because I'm sure that if I'd asked any of those girls out, they would have said no. But um, what was that? <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's not. You cannot go back in time. I cannot unwrite the past. Well, the Avengers did. <laughs> <laughs> so you replace the time stone. But I just find it interesting that people would willingly want to, you know, lump themselves with Puritans. Like those guys were no fun. Like they went around like all the beautiful churches in England, they went around and smashed all the stained glass and broke all the statues and tore up all them, burned the paintings. They, you know, destroyed art. They banned plays, they banned poetry, they censored writing. They're just brutes. And why you would identify with that? Like, and all those people in that class, by the way, were way more cavalier in their lifestyles than I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't smoke, drink, take drugs or anything like that. And here I am going, no, oh, I'm a cavalier. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just weird to me. I don't understand people. Yeah, probably understand. if the uh, cavaliers looked at your uh, lifestyle, uh, they would go, whoa. You know, your futuristic lifestyle. You're loose, yeah. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, real nice and in the big house. And, yeah. You know, a pool. Oh, he's got his own dog. Uh, they had, they had pools. They had pools. So. Did they have pools like, really? Well, they didn't have pools like ours, but they did have like ponds and and, well, and pond. pools and stuff like that. Have you ever been they to? A pond. A pond isn't a pool. You've been to Versailles. Didn't you go to like the canals in Versailles? And yeah, but you don't have one of those in your backyard. Like you made your own pond in your backyard. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cavalier. But pe- <laughs> okay. Right? We did it with a pretty cavalier attitude. Yeah, no, and now what are you going to do? Uh, are you going to be entertained tonight? What, are you going to go out to the theater? No, I'm going to sit in my basement. Oh, uh, alone? Well, yes, except for my magic box. But let me, let me watch uh, things all around the world, the news of the world, and yet also entertainment. I wonder if that would have fit the cavalier's idea of fun, though, to be sitting in a room by himself. No, probably not. Uh? Probably not. They were they were the sort of swashbuckling types that uh, you know fought for king and country and uh, okay. you know battled on behalf of of King Charles. Not that King right. Charles was so great, but but then again, what came after King Charles, i.e., uh, Oliver Cromwell, wasn't so great either. So well, I've had enough of your King Charles bashing. Let me. I, I told you that before. <laughs> you you royalist you. Yeah. Listen. I told you this was going to be a royalist podcast when we started. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were like, yeah, but fuck King Charles. I'm like, hey, 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 h
I used to be able to name most of the uh, Roman emperors. I was going to say Sidious, but Palpatine is Sidious. Spoilers! <laughs> I like how I'm, I'm naming actual Roman emperors, and you're, you're just naming a character from a movie. That's good. Star Wars. Your attitude is very cavalier, by the way. Yeah, someone here believes the Roman Empire was real. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, they built all that shit for tourists. I... It's rubes. It was built in the 50s, Dave. Built <laughs> in the 50s. Find me a picture of it before the 50s. Not only do I believe the Empire... Roman Empire existed. I'm with Philip K. Dick, and I believe that it still exists to this day. Yeah, I got a couple of those in the house. So. Sure, right. you cannot deny it. Stole those from the British Museum, did you? Uh, bought them across the street. Okay, yeah, they're pretty dime a dozen in England. Yeah, it's weird. It's well, so weird. Like, it was conquered by the Romans. Like, it was conquered by the Romans. So I they, realize yeah. that, but just that they still exist, and like Romans spent these. Like someone <laughs> would take this to market in ancient Roman times yeah. and pay for food yeah. with these. Yeah, that's pretty and crazy. You're that's right. crazy that that's still around. Yeah, that's true. That's neat. Yeah, I know they're common. Like I get that. Yeah, yeah. But it's just still. No, wow. no, it's still an amazing, amazing link to the past. You're right. It's yeah. pretty. Pretty crazy. It's a more of an amazing thing than uh, the video game Link to the Past. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Or Lancelot Link and the evolution. Yep. Um, he was a chimp detective, as you know. I know. <laughs> if we evolve, if detectives evolved from chimps, why are there still chimps and detectives? Tell that's, me that. that's a good point. Because it's a branch. It's a tree, right? Um, and chimps are always on a tree. I get it. Hmm. Anyway, you were saying last week. Oh, yeah. I was just going to mention that um, this is more of like something exciting for me, not, not for anyone else. But I, I went to, um, well, Mary had to go and return a, a laptop from her tutoring job to the to her boss. So she had to drive out to Chilliwack. And sh- so she was kind of like, does anyone want to come with me for this boring drive? And I said, sure, I'll come. And so we went out to Chilliwack and uh, she returned the laptop. And I said, well, we're here. We should maybe go do a little bit of used bookstore shopping and so we went to this used bookstore called nugget in chilliwack which i highly recommend if you are a lower mainland resident that you go to chilliwack and find nuggets it's very close to the bookman so those are two like two of the best bookstores in the lower mainland and so went there and i and i found let me just reach i'm gonna knock over my coke can it's gonna make a noise and i found there set up my coke can again i found there some uh some adventures of blake and mortimer by edgar p jacobs uh, they're English translations of, of some Bandesane. I found one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of seven of them there, wow. which was damn exciting. And then I found three books of the Blue Coats, which is another Bandesane from uh, from that were they, these were in Spiru. Um, they're kind of like a a Civil War era uh, strip. But the the Ventures of Blake and Mortimer, Mortimer Edgar P. Jacobs was a friend of of Hergé. And he actually worked on some of the early Tintin stories before before uh, starting his own stories when Tintin magazine was launched. And he created uh, Blake and Mortimer, who are two like uh, British... One's a British spy and the other one is a professor, a, a okay. scientist. And the first book is... The first book of, or first three books of the series are all related, called "The Secret of the Swordfish," and it's like um, it's a little it's a little dated in its use of of a of a yellow peril, an Asian army taking over the world. Um, but uh, it's still it's it's super exciting to read though. It's just like so. At first you start and you're just kind of like, oh, this is really hard to get into because there's a lot of writing. It's, it's kind of EC level uh, writing in the top of the of the pages and stuff like that. But once it gets once it gets going, it's a rollicking yarn, is what I'll, how I'll describe it. So I'm really looking forward to reading the other books, and I'm hoping there's less uh, 
horrible racism. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, in, I mean, you know, I just, I can't totally condemn it. I just understand the times. It was just after World War II. So, you know, there's still still some hard feelings and stuff like that. So I, I can't like completely, but I can't also like completely <laughs> support it either. <laughs> sort of like, I understand where you're coming from, but uh, yikes. But it is interesting to read as well, because you can see his drawing style simplifying through the three books. Right. It starts off very fancy with a lot of like, uh, kind of charcoal effects and stuff like that in it. Like kind of like, um, as if he's Roy Crane doing Captain Easy. And then, and then by about halfway through the second book, he kind of starts dropping that and it gets very, it gets a lot simpler. And then the third book, he's like right down to like, you know what? Just, just shadow and light, baby. That's all you need. So yeah, it's, uh, but they're quite good, very exciting. Nice. And, uh, lots of, lots of these crazy, uh, things that some, uh, there's another guy named, uh, Roger Leloup, who, uh, was also a Tintin assistant. Um, and I imagine his job was like to draw, like, like the, um, you know, like Tintin goes to the moon. There's like that drawing of the spaceship sitting in the, in the, in the giant, um, uh, you know, this, the, uh, platform that holds, holds the rocket upright, you know? Okay. And it's just like, know, I do know it, but I would, I would still recommend people listen to our episode. Of, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tintin. Yeah. Uh, Tintin, Tintin on the moon, uh, which you can get at cqdragon.com for, uh, I think free. That's right. right now. Costs yeah. nothing. And so, yeah, so it's this incredibly detailed drawing of the, of this stuff. And I, I imagine that was sort of one of his jobs because he did a book after that called Yoko Tsuno, which is about this, uh, Japanese woman living in France and she gets into these adventures that are kind of science fiction adventures. And he just loves to draw these super complicated technological, you know, things like, you know, like these underground monorails and stuff like that. And it's all this elaborate machinery. And, and I just, you know, it's just like, you look at it, you just go like, who had time? But uh, you know, they, <laughs> they were doing, you know, at that time they were doing like three pages a week. Yeah. You know, and if they had assistance, you know, kind of cut down on some of the workload and stuff, because they would, they had to be there three pages a, a week that were delivered, you know, written, drawn, inked, and colored. So, you know, you, it would help you if you had people helping you to, to get, get it done. But, but yeah, it was, uh, it, uh, I was so happy to find those books there. It's one of those bookstores that I don't get to very often because it's, it's, it's a long way away and I don't, I don't really have like a lot of time to drive two hours to do stuff like that. But, but taking that, you know, going to company Mary and then and then taking advantage of the time there. This is one of those stories when you walk in the door, you always find something you don't have, you know. So I was pretty excited to uh, to find oh, those. Great. Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Oh, that from, sounds fun. I'm from Cinebooks, from Cinebooks, which is uh, I guess a British a British uh, publisher that was doing these books. And I don't know if they still are. I wish I wish they were. They're not. The ones I read before weren't. I weren't like. I wasn't super happy with the way they did them. But these ones are really really good. Like the. The um, like in the blue coats one, they've they've reproduced the the font of the of the original artist, um, whose name is uh, Willie Lambiel, L A M B I L, and so you know it's not like some generic font, which is something that uh, let me just reach down, which is something that I have this uh, book, um, it's a Smurfs anthology by a, from a company called Paper Cuts, and I just bought the first volume of it, and I stopped there because I was really disappointed in the um. Although, no, this one uses... Actually, this is better than I thought it was. Why did I stop buying <laughs> these? I don't... Oh, I didn't like the way they did the um, the sound effects. They changed... Oh, really? Why? They changed how Peo does it. So, it just... It just instead of... Instead of um, instead of reproducing it the way the way that Peo did it in, in the original books, they kind of changed it a, a little bit. And they also... Yeah, they did some other changes I'm not so happy with. But yeah, it's... um These... The other one, these cinnamon books, though, are really, are really good. Really, really good. And I wish th- I wish I could find more of them. Well, 
Uh, I'm just saying uh, Christmas is coming up. And that, now you know what Dave wants. <laughs> and then the guys who did the Blue Coats, whose names were uh, Willie Lambiel and Raoul Covin, they did, um, I'm, just gonna, I'm just reaching for another book off a of bookshelf. They did a, a series for, for Sprue. It's kind of a grown-up one. It's not really for kids. It's called Pauvre Lampiel. So it's kind of a play on Lambiel. And okay. the idea of the story is that it's, it's basically like a pretend autobiographical story of Covin and Lambiel working together, kind of playing off their their personality i don't know if it's rather really like them or just like a pretend them but it's basically like an artist and a writer working on their comic strip together but a lot of it's like the guy the artist working at home and his dealings with his wife and stuff like that and then their dealings with each other uh the two right you know the two artists and stuff it's really it's quite fun it's just it's, it's really weird though that it would be in like a like a kid's comic you know every every three weeks just like here's a strip about the guys who do the blue coats you <laughs> know or les tuniques blue as it's called in uh, french yeah it's uh it's really interesting I had to get that one from uh, the the French Amazon because there's no way you're going to find it here. But I just found it such a fascinating idea. I had to get it. Just the idea that there's like a a comic strip of. I mean, I know we have autobio comics, but this was done in the 70s, you know. So it just seems so weird. Like, so it's kind of almost ahead of its time in a way. Although it's not truly autobio in the sense that it's more like a a, a farce, more a farcical, mm-hmm. you know, than it is um than it is like autobio, true autobio. But interesting, interesting nonetheless. I do enjoy an autobiography comic, but uh, yeah, I uh, I've been trying to uh, I've been trying to like Spider Man again. I, I, I I've been trying to read the comics. Can't do it. Can't get into it. Well, how uh, do you, How do you mean? Like, when did you stop reading Spider Man? Uh, uh, maybe kind of end of Dan Slott's run, like a couple, of, maybe two, three years ago. Okay. Uh, but I've been trying to. But they got a storyline that just like uh, like here's here's my big problem with. Okay, I love Spider Man. I love the Spider Man movies. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with the exception of maybe Amazing Spider-Man 2. What can you do? Um, and uh, I love the Spider-Man video game. Pretty much every one of them. Especially, you know, I'm playing the Miles Morales one. I love that. Um, but here's here's what they're doing right now with Spider-Man. Is they, they've got a supernatural story. They got... Uh, they oh, got that's, that's wrong, I guess, eh? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, to me, here's the thing about a Spider-Man story. A Spider-Man story is he's trying to do something normal. Uh, I don't know, what is it? Do his laundry, that his Aunt May, get a job, uh, pay his rent, do something. Yeah. And then along the way, he's interrupted. Why? Because so, there's a crime, some crime, and who's it being perpetrated by? Uh, someone with an animal theme, The you know, uh, the, 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 the bandicoot, you know, uh, you know, some of the, the mink, <laughs> yeah. you know, something like that. And he's got to fight them, and it takes too long fighting them. And so he loses the job. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, the old Parker luck. And, you know, that's kind of a Spider-Man story. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and, and, you know, occasionally a friend of his uh, becomes, you know. So there'll be something like that. Like he'd have a professor, but it turns out the professor is doing experiments on himself. And, but like, you know, so he's become like a Mr. Hyde type. Something like that. Sure. And so he finds out, oh, the professor I liked, he's actually a monster. Oh, duh, what do I do? Ethical dilemma problems, okay. But then, all right. So what they got for a storyline right now is uh, basically it's a um, it's a it's a it's a demon from hell that uh, just actively tortures uh, uh, you know uh, people in hell and uh, brought like Mysterio back from hell and the Mysterio does some stuff and then he drags him back to hell and I'm like okay and just well giving, like, I'm hearing you I'm hearing you Ian but what I, what I'm hearing. Yeah. It sounds like someone's a little a little uh, worried about competition for their hell-based comics comic yeah, strip. Extra well, Sisters. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. In the second, 
uh, collection just came out, the volume two, uh, yeah, Kick of the Darkness. I know what you're saying. Uh, but what I'm saying is, so they, so they, you know, he, what he's been doing is he's, uh, he's sorry, wait a second. Was that Extra Sisters? Kick of the Darkness by Ian yeah, Boothby and Giselle Leg- Leg- Legacy. Collection. The first collection, of course, it's called uh, Damned If You Don't. Uh, all uh, just available in bookstores. Where books. I'm holding it in my hand right now. Oh, very good. I would uh, say read it sometime and then see how it goes. I, um, I already read it. I complimented you on it. If you want another oh, compliment, I'll say that I really, really enjoyed it. Actually, I thought I was it was really fishing, great. Uh, for a second, um, <laughs> it's funny. So uh, he resurrected uh, the Sin Eater, that character. Okay. Uh, from the old Peter David. Um, story, which was one of my favorite stories. Uh, and uh, he's with the Sin Eaters and killing people yep. and gets their powers that brings them back to life. So it's like a lot of people are being killed and brought back to life and it's very supernatural and uh, there's a lot of stuff about how this guy is one of the main de- torturous people in hell which is weird because it establishes that there is a hell. That's weird. You know, it's like we don't need to know that there actually is one in Spider-Man's world to me because he's like science-based. Science-based guy. That's sweet science-based. Um, but then he just revealed who he was, and I'm going to spoil it. If you don't want it spoiled, go ahead, five minutes. Uh, it's Harry Osborne. <laughs> Terry Osborne's uh. friend, Harry Osborne. So Harry Osborne reveals himself and goes, aha, it's me. And it's like, oh, Harry, you're crazy again. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I was doing you crazy. And then he kills Spider-Man over and over again. The first time he does, he holds him down, and he bashes his head in with a rock. Just smashes his head open. And then uh, Spider-Man is brought back to life. And he's like, what? And then he's just like, slashes his throat out. Slashes his throat out. And he drowns him. And he burns him alive. He's doing all this stuff to Spider-Man. And it's like, what the fuck is this? This isn't the, like, I get, you can make a story about anything. There's no reason you can't make a story about anything. But to me, that's not a Spider-Man story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. You know? this is that's just, a Son of Satan story. This is, yeah. It's like, it already bothers me that, like, Spider-Man's, you know, marriage got reversed and erased from existence by a demon. You know, that already is like, well, now we're out of Spider-Man world. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. We're into something else. Yeah. You know, it, like, I don't mind if No, it should be grounded in reality. I mean, as much like, I mean, as much reality as you have, like, a, in a world full of people who dress in long underwear and, and yeah, fight each other in the skies. Magic, but it should be like, what, if there's yeah. magic, he goes to visit Doctor Strange and goes, I'm in over my head. Yeah. I don't know what this is about. And yeah. to be fair, he did that in a previous storyline in Doctor Strange. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but like it's not a Spider-Man thing Mm -hmm. that's just nothing and also Spider-Man isn't that kind of gruesome saw-like violence yeah you know being set on burned alive and being drowned and having your head smashed with a rock and it's just like well that's not at all this is just so off-tone and it's so weird because you know there are the obviously the movies get it the video games get it everything else gets it but you know the comics just don't get it and I think that's a big problem I have with like a lot of comics nowadays is like, oh, you don't get it. You just don't. You just get too far into this, you know, waggada, waggada, waggada. <laughs> like it's just off tone. Just yeah, really yeah. off tone in the way yeah. that, you know, it would never be on a television show or a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's too bad. It's too bad. Because I, I really want to, you know, during this time where I'm fairly locked down, I'm trying to like do some comics. And I'm like, nope, that's just not for me. So, uh, so there you go. So, uh, boo, boo to Spider-Man the comic right now. Uh, yay to Spider-Man the video. <laughs> and yay to, I'm watching like old, um, because I know, uh, there's going to be a bunch of different people who play Spider-Man in the upcoming movies. Uh, I'm watching the old, uh, electric company, Spider-Man, and, uh, very much enjoying those. Yes. He's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. And it's always fun to me to like, look at the panels that are around the action and go, do I know what issue that is? <laughs> okay, that's a Ross Andrew drawing for sure, which means it's got to be within this period to this period, or 
it could be spectacular Spider-Man or you know, so <laughs> that's just the nerd. Yes, anyway, that's my little, little it sure is. I think that's what got me interested in Spider-Man, though, as a kid was was Spider-Man's appearance on Electric Company. And it's a good it's a good theme song. You know, it's not as good as the Ralph Bakshi series. No, that's pretty that. hard but, to, hard know, to do that. Yeah. Spider-Man, where are you coming from? Spider-Man, nobody knows who you are. It's great. Catchy. That's uh, good stuff. And you want to yell Peter Parker. <laughs> and he's all like, shh. Yeah, shut up about it. Come on, man. Uh, so, so we got a bunch of letters last week. Letters. We've got letters. Um, so... Oh, sorry, what, what is it, sir? I was just going to say, so um, you we had mentioned earlier that we were going to maybe switch out. You may start. Anytime you want me to, to jump in, I, I will do so. Yeah, I will. let's go back and forth. We'll go back and forth. Uh, though that may be you reading like a three-line letter, but that's the way it's going to be. Uh, but there is Fair one enough. letter that uh, our friend asked us to not... I think read the last line of, so uh, we'll try and remember to avoid that. Uh, our questions last week were, uh, what was the first video game you played as a kid? Uh, what's your favorite romantic comedy? And uh, did your family have a dark family secret? Uh, and uh, should it have been a secret? And my thing on that was like, don't tell us the secret. You don't have to tell us the secret. Yeah. Don't bother telling us the secret. Just did you have one? And everyone told us. So that's <laughs> not everyone, but when people who are comfortable with telling us a secret told that's us right. a secret. So uh, Kanan, uh, our friend Kanan writes, I'm just relaying this as second information uh, from friends and family in Oz. Oh, because I talked about Australia uh, and uh, how Australians seem to be like just having it great right now. Uh, lately, yeah. uh, your listeners who actually live there might chime in with more accurate information. Uh, but Australia and Victoria in particular, where my family lives, are approaching about one month with no new cases of COVID because they had a serious lockdown after an outbreak of about a dozen cases came from an airport hotel because the security guard didn't do his job properly and let people who were quarantining out of their room, allegedly, and was fed to a crocodile. I made up part of that. Uh, the state went into immediate lockdown, uh, just the state. They closed the borders. Everything extraneous was closed. People were only allowed within five kilometers of their home. Uh, or further, but only if their supermarket was outside that radius, and only to exercise for a maximum of, I think, one hour at a time away from, and the lockdown lasted for four to six weeks. I think possibly more, what is time right now? Good point. Uh, tensions got high, there were anti-mask protests, but they were small and very frowned upon, and they were eaten by crocodiles. Now, again, I'm making a party. Um, <laughs> the cases got to around 300, but dropped to zero super quick, and here they are today, free to move around like life is normal, though still wearing masks indoors. SA and NSW still have cases, uh, though only a few, and uh, contact tracing is tight. Uh, the state premier, Daniel Andrews, is hailed as a hero by many, but will not be reelected despite squashing this thing immediately, saving potentially hundreds or thousands of lives. He is commonly referred to as Dictator Dan and was fed to crocodiles. Uh, the reason <laughs> Australia was better at complying with the rules is that they have a culture of prevention, not band-aid cures. The government spends tons of money on ads to get people to avoid problems rather than fix them. Quick campaigns like anti-gambling, anti-drunk driving, anti-STIs, domestic abuse hotlines, so much. And so when this thing happened, of course they accepted it, and of course they saw the government was ready for it. And being so closely tied to China, the government saw this thing developing in November of uh, 2019 and jumped on preparations immediately, having such a huge Chinese population. 
The problem as I see it as an outsider to Canada is that Australia handles uh, a lot of things at federal level, but in Canada, the provinces are all in competition with each other to be the best. They all handle their own stuff differently and it makes for a pretty incoherent country. Come live here. We're number one. Pipe down, Toronto. You're not a province. <laughs> uh, nowhere is that more apparent than this stupid province well, we kind of, we currently find ourselves in uh, Alberta. Big booze from us. Zero stars, actually, too, for the mountains. And those people have been fed to us. <laughs> yes, Alberta. All right. And you want to read Todd's? Sure. Todd writes to say, My mother is convinced that my father's side of the family has some dark family secret based on scattered remarks my father has made over the years. Personally... I think it's just her imagination, and she's taking things out of context. But I do sometimes wonder if one day my dad will pull me aside and reveal that I've actually got a monstrously, monstrously deformed crazy uncle chained up in the ancestral castle back in Scotland, or some such thing. I'll keep you guys posted. Please, please do. Yeah, please do, Todd. Very excited. It I'm... sounded like you were almost going into this voice that, uh, <laughs> that, P, that P and I watch when we're watching this cooking video. Okay. And I forgot what the, I forgot the guy's name. But like, I like his recipes, but the voice is just so, oh, I can't take it. And it's like, <laughs> so you want to make a grilled cheese sandwich. All you have to do is a simple thing. <laughs> Two slices of bread. <laughs> don't forget the butter. All the way to the edges. This That's is how it has to be. This was the problem with me trying to read from my phone with my glasses on is almost impossible. I need to put it close up to my face so I can see things better. So at my pauses were me trying to like figure out what the word was I was seeing. <laughs> you did a great job. Thank you. you. Reminded me. <laughs> I'll this I'm sorry. It's, a, it's not a million miles away from Casey Kasem. If I, if I go a little higher. If I go a little higher. Okay, so Louise writes... Uh, I don't mind the level of idealism and the ending. Oh, you're talking about Uncle Frank. Idealism in the ending of Uncle Frank. Not everyone is okay with his orientation. His old aunt uh, still condemns his lifestyle. His brother-in-law didn't look too happy about it either. Well, she was doing the best she could. Yeah. Um, Frank's a Saudi Arabian partner would still face a death sentence back home, which sadly is still the case in many places in the world. He's a great supporting character. I enjoyed how enthusiastically he adopts Frank's family as his own. One of the messages I got is that you don't have to wait for all the bigots and unsupported parents in the world to die before you accept who you are. Another theme is that you need to forgive yourself for the wrongs you may have done while trying to survive in an oppressive society. That is a lesson. Uh, how can uh, one have just one favorite rom-com? That's true. I've mentioned Groundhog Day and Room with a View here before. But I also like Sabrina, Working Girl, Dave. What? Sense and oh, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, sense and Sensibility, The American President, Emma, Notting Hill, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I like You've Got Mail, too, but it's like one of Shakespeare's problem comedies, where the couple gets together in the end, but not without elaborate trickery and someone suffering humiliation. I guess a screenwriter, Nora Ephron, is saying that Meg Ryan's character is better off working in the publishing side rather than the selling side of the book business. Spoken like a true writer. <laughs> yes, we do have a and not everyone in our family knows it. It's a historic one, or an historic, but we still speak of it in hushed tone. <laughs> well, you're getting, you're getting mad at me for pausing. Um, just to go back to You've Got Mail, since I was when you brought it up in the sure, original. Sure, sure, uh, sure. The, um, what I've, when the movie started, my first, my first reaction to it was, Oh, they're jerks because they're cheating on their partners because they're basically like 
having like a e- email flirtation with each other and you know they're they are they are in love with each other they don't realize it or they do realize it but they're not admitting it to themselves which is why they are both so you know unsatisfied with the people they're actually with and i don't know it's immediately you're just kind of like well these guys aren't great Ugh. but anyway it's still an okay yeah, movie. Yeah, it'd be interesting how uh, just seeing how many movies go with the idea that hey, they had an affair, and that's good. That's good. Bridges in Madison County. It's like yeah. good for you. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess it just, it's a different way. I guess. I mean, I guess it's, it's a different way of you know, like I guess Bridges in Madison County. The woman is like unhappy in her marriage and feels trapped, yeah. and and Clint Eastwood's character is sort of this. Breath of fresh air and a, a chance of adventure and, and excitement. That would be a red flag if you like uh, saw your uh, future. You know, you were dating someone, and all the movies that they had on their. Uh, I'm gonna say like it's old timey days, so they have their DVDs up up there. Yeah, on their shelf, like you would have that anyway. You don't. Uh, but like, okay, I don't. Oh, I guess I should take mine their, down. In their queue on their Netflix. Yeah, it's all, all movies where it's pro. It's what's right? Pro, it's all pro affair movies. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, this is a red flag. <laughs> Someone's trying to say something to someone. Yeah. I watched, um, was it last night? Sometime. I watched It's Complicated, which is a Nancy Myers film. Her movies are, are not so much um, comedies like a Nora Ephron movie. They're more, they're more like kitchen porn. I don't know. <laughs> like everyone has really nice kitchens. Okay, and every, you know everyone's and you get to look at people's houses like they're all rich people and they have like nice houses and and you know they're driving fancy cars and there's, it's not you know once again it's not really based in any sort of reality but it was you know it was interesting it has Alec Baldwin in it with um, okay. Meryl Streep and he is her ex husband who has married a younger woman and there is a kind of funny sort of telling scene of a sort of a, a panning shot of a waiting room in a fertility clinic. And it's all these sort of gray-haired gentlemen with their much younger wives sitting in this fertility clinic, looking through the brochures. And um, and he is also there, Alec Baldwin's character. So he's also being pushed by his new, much younger nubile wife to, to you know, help grow the family. And so uh, he begins an affair with, with Meryl Streep, who, who is his ex-wife. They begin to have an affair. And of course, she feels terrible about it, but she can't seem to resist this idea that there's something unfinished between them or whatever. And it was okay. It has a Steve Martin in it. Okay, yeah, yeah. As I, think a, I've seen, I've seen, I think I've seen it in the past. I don't remember it. As sort yeah. of a, yeah, I think that's probably where I'll be in a couple, couple of months. But, uh, yeah, I think it's on a plane. Had Zoe Kazan as one of one of her daughters. I can't remember the name of the actress. She's also in Damsels in Distress. So I was happy to see her. John Krasinski is in it in a very good, very good role. I really liked him in it. thought he did a really good job as the son-in-law who happens to spot is with his with his wife i assume his wife maybe they're, maybe they're maybe they're fiance in maybe they're affianced because they are at a restaurant or something or at a hotel to meet a wedding planner and then he sees his mother-in-law and father-in-law show up at this hotel and he knows they're not together and suddenly they're like together and he's but he's trying to keep this out of his wife's attention and it's a pretty good scene and then um alex baldwin's character has a heart attack and so or, or something happens where he has like a, he faints. I don't think it's really a heart attack, but he faints. And, uh, Krasinski sees this is happening too. And so then he's all nervous about this. And of course, his wife is interpreting them and his feelings as being related to their wedding, but it's just all, all this drama that's going on that she doesn't know about. You know, it's kind of good. I enjoyed that part of the movie, but, uh, overall, it's a little unbearable. <laughs> it was complicated. That's what I said when it was over. Okay. I guess I'm next with that would a- have been a good, that would have been a good sequel. It was complicated. <laughs> um, 
maybe near the end of this, I will, I will, I will relate some of a different, my favorite, my favorite, um, rom, rom-coms. Okay. okay. So I think we're next with Ed Trigansky. Yeah. If you're all right with that one. All right. Ed said, thinking you guys recorded last week's podcast on Thursday, I was busy changing a battery in my stepson's car, but I was listening to Sneaky Dragon listening party at the time. Well, Ed, I cannot fault your taste at the time, but uh, by the time I finished, it was too late to write. I heard you mention you recorded episode 470 on Friday. So is that the night you record? I have to know so I can write at the last minute. Well, Ed... couldn't do uh, yeah, I couldn't do Thursday because it was my wife's birthday. Yes, so. so Ian was Ian was uh, had obligations, and so he asked if it would be okay if we recorded on another day, and I suggested Friday uh, because I find uh, us recording on Saturday is not optimal because I also have to edit it that day. So I just find it's too much too much too much of a muchness for me. So yeah, he has to wait and see if there's any boats being dropped off at the front. Door. <laughs> exactly right. So so yeah. So but we normally do record on Thursday nights. So that is. That is your optimal day for recording. And just so you know, we generally re- record around 7.30. So if you get it in at 7, you'll be, you'll get, you'll, you'll uh, be the last one in, if that's your desire. Uh, Ed goes on to say, from episode 469, which is a Dallas-Fort Worth area code here in Texas, but mine happens to me, mine happens to be 900, oh man, I cannot read. But mine happens to be 972, so I'll hang around until you get to that episode. <laughs> but will we hang around, Ed? Yeah. Never been near a cult or even asked to join anything remotely cultish. I have had friends ask me to come to hear someone speak at a nice hotel so they can tell me how to make $10,000 a month. <laughs> it was last minute, and this friend, who isn't a close friend, called me at work one day out of the blue. He was so into this guy who was speaking that night and wanted me to come join him at the hotel after work. How should I dress? I asked him. Oh, you know, suit and tie would be good, or if you're just in a dress shirt and t- a tie is fine. I replied, dude, I don't even own a suit, and I'm not wearing one now. I'm in cargo shirts and flip-flops. He didn't know where to go next, and assumed I wore a suit to work. I looked the speaker up, who was selling some new kind of internet service, and he and his brother had already done jail time for this pyramid scheme stuff. (laughs) Obviously, I didn't go, but I think my friend is still up to his neck in this stuff. Yeah, I think if that's the way your mind goes towards that sort of thing, the idea that, you know, there's some kind of way to get rich quick... And someone has like a magic way to get there. I think that uh, you, I think it's not a healthy way to think, but it's kind of like, it's basically, it's sort of like, it's almost like addictive, like gambling, you know, because there's, it's a sort of, it's a, it has a lot of rewards to it. So that kind of gets you, kind of gets that, is it serotonin or whatever that kicks in in your mind that makes you happy? The same thing we get when we get a like on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And, and it's the same sort of feeling. So when you get that that next level when you reach that tier when you're like a you know when you're a super seller or when you're a you know star agent or whatever then each level you're like oh that's oh man i made it you know so that kind of kicks in that that feeling anyway ed goes on to say my folks taught me plenty of valuable lessons over the years but my dad was always mindful of the respect and proper treatment of his elders i watched how my dad treated his peers that were older than him and how he learned from them it wasn't the mind your parents thing, but how to learn from those who are more experienced and accept mentoring from them and not shove them aside. I have more than a few older colleagues who have given me some very valuable advice and mentored me over the years. I cherish my relationship with each of them. Dad's advice has paid off over the last 30 years. We had the Pong game from Sears first, then for Christmas, maybe in 77, received the Atari 2600. And he puts a question mark. What's wrong? 
Oh yeah, I'm going. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the twenty. Yeah, twenty six hundred was the first system. Yes. Yes, that's when we got to. I remember rolling Circus Atari, where the counter returned to zero. I played it so much. The wow. game we played the most was Adventure. Ah, I remember Adventure, where you had to fight the dragons and find the chalice. We even did that trick where you stuck the sword in the wall or something and saw the developer's name in a hidden room. <laughs> wasn't the big reveal in Ready Player One at the end? Or sorry, wasn't I that the big I, reveal in, in Ready Player One? I think there was a reveal. Yeah. Where did you find out about it? Was it a magazine? Was it yeah, I wonder. Like yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, nowadays, of course, you just look it up and, uh, oh, there's all the secrets. But yeah, back then, oh, yeah, something to find out. I don't think I got another game system for many years after that. Probably Super Nintendo. Yeah, next next one for family was ColecoVision, but we never advanced beyond ColecoVision. Oh man, ColecoVision was just a dream. Oh, it was so great, yeah. Yeah, I never. I mean, I, that was just beyond us. I had a, <laughs> I had a Nintendo much later because my friend Alan gave me his. He was tired of it. Okay. And uh, and so yeah, that was the first one I kind of got given as a system. We used to. My dad had a Atari computer. Mm, that's so right. We could play cartridges on that. Yeah. But that was the idea of like we would buy a game system for gaming. Well, that would be ridiculous. There'd be, there'd be no way we'd be doing that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, sir. It says, I like some of the older rom-coms and not many of the newer films. I re- remember really enjoying When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. My first wife resembled Meg Ryan quite a bit and acted like Sally in the film. In, uh, in Delis? Another <laughs> few of my favorites are I Love You, Man with Paul Rudd and Rashida sure. Jones and The Devil Wears Prada with Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway. I've got a thing, too, for Stanley Tucci in films, and I love his acting, so it kills me when he gets screwed over in the end of Prada. <laughs> I watch that one whenever I see it's on, and I'm sad for Stanley all over again. And he ends by saying, more later. Oh, Which, I like Stanley Tucci in Big Night. That makes me hungry. That Okay, I've never uh, seen that love, movie. It's a love story mm. about food. Go with that. You know what? You know what? He's also in The Hunger Games. That movie also makes me hungry. <laughs> Jada Jackman writes. All right. You guys mentioned how hard, it, uh, how it's hard to imagine the world without the internet. But I, of course, uh, which I, of course, agree with. I remember my family having a home PC when I was five. Oh, but I'll do yeah. you one better because I cannot fathom a world without cell phone. The thought of leaving your home and having no way to contact another person is bone chilling. I remember uh, watching the Woodstock documentary. And at one point, it cut to all these kids waiting for a payphone. And one person said, I lost my friend. <laughs> the concept's totally bizarre to me. Like, what would you do? If you lose someone, they're gone forever. I, I can't get over it now. Yeah, that's it's something, it's true. I like. I remember one time I, I went to something, I went to a concert or something like that. And I had to catch a, you know, you, you lived in the same area as me when we were kids. So I had to catch a particular bus at a particular time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made all my connections to get home. And of course, I left this cons or whatever and it was too late i had missed i was too late and so i knew the bus i would catch wouldn't take me all the way home and so i needed to call my mom but of course i was a kid and so i was totally ill prepared for this i didn't have any money on me <laughs> so i just like was walking on the street and there's some two guys were walking by me and i went hey can i borrow a quarter or can i sorry can you give me a quarter i need to call i need to call i use a phone and they're like oh sure and they, they got a quarter and they gave it to me and so then i called my mom and and I, you know, I said, um, you know, I missed my connection, so I'm going to be late. Could you meet me such and such? And, you know, and then my mom was just like, she was not very happy about this. So then she was like, well, you know, call me when you get there. <laughs> I didn't want to say, I'm using the one quarter I have to call you. But I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'll call you when I get there. So I hung up the phone. And then, uh, you remember this, when you used a pay phone, you would immediately 
habitually stick your finger into the little return coin slot to see if there was change in there. And I did that, and there was a quarter in there. So it's like, score, I have a quarter. So I had enough money, because I had, I had bus money, but I didn't have enough money from that to use a phone. And so I put that, you know, I had that in my pocket to call my mom. But yeah, it's just, it's so weird how often that, that happened to, to uh, me as a kid. And I didn't think about it at all. Like, you know, the idea that you're somehow like disconnected from people because you were always disconnected from people. <laughs> this is how it was, you know? Yeah. And, it, and, the, and an odd thing we were able to do back then was memorize seven digit numbers quite easily. Oh, I still remember. Uh, well, I remember my oh, own man. phone number, of course. I don't remember your phone number, probably because I stopped phoning it um, before. I, like, I remember um, David M's parents' home phone number still. To this day, I can remember it. Can you remember your childhood phone, like your first childhood phone number? I can't remember the one in Coquitlam. That's too long ago. It was 604-936, but I don't remember after that. But my phone number in Delta was 604-5... Well, it was actually... We didn't say 604 then. It was 5969 And mine was 6714146. Ooh, that's a good one. Park. Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah, Lisa remembers her, like, first phone numbers, but I... They've never stuck... That doesn't stick my... But I can remember... Yeah, it's how you can remember completely yeah, all these yeah. numbers. And you had like all, almost all your friends, you'd loaded up their numbers in your brain. Oh my God, yeah. You didn't yeah. have to like pull out a little book and no, check no, no. it out. No, no, no. No, yeah. you would have a book for like the more obscure numbers and yeah, yeah. you know, what have you. But yeah, you'd, uh, you'd memorize it pretty right quick. Yeah, we had, a little, uh, we had a little phone, little, you know, like it was a little kind of flat case and you moved, you moved the, this little uh, slider down and then you'd move it down to say F. And then when you push the, this little latch it would open up at the f's names and then you'd yeah. find for your friend that's where i put all my friends because that started with f no i'm just joking but um I, I would put names in there for friends that i all any phone number i got i would put in there just in case i didn't remember it or for the beginning when you first started phoning someone you wouldn't remember their name right away or their phone number right away but eventually it was in your mind forever after it seems but not a lot of those names are, are numbers are gone now but I'm, I'm a terrible number person so that's not something that i remember but and now of course like uh, i think it was not Last year, sometime we were at the PE and my phone died, and we were supposed to meet meet up with Mary, and something went awry with our meetup plans. And, but I had Lisa's didn't have her phone. My phone was dead, and we had no way to call Mary. And so then I had to go to like the customer services, and I'm like, "Oh, can I use your phone to call my daughter's cell phone because my phone is dead?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, no problem," but they they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me dial it. And so this was a problem, right? So then they're like, "Here, do it in a totally different way than you're used to." tell me the number and then I'll dial it for you. And whereas, you know, you usually muscle memory, which is what helps you remember those numbers. Yeah. So then I'm like, I couldn't remember her phone number. So I'm like, oh, it's this, is you know, this is the number. So she calls it, doesn't work. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's this number. She calls it, doesn't work. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm obviously, I have no. So then I walked away. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, no, this is the number. Go back. Oh, here's the number right now. She dials it, not the number. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but I finally, I finally remembered. I, it's just so weird. Like, I think I went to the bathroom or something, and I was just standing there peeing, and then the number popped into my head. It's one of those times where you have to like let your brain relax and go into another yeah. into another groove. And, and, so you, and so you go back and you go to the person. Uh, you got to come with me into the bathroom. It's the only <laughs> way we can do this. Like, okay, watch me pee. <laughs> I'll dial this number. And I'll remember. Yeah. Whiz. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we did meet up, but it was just yeah, it was one of the. It's a, something that wouldn't have caused me like one bit of concern as a kid the idea that you know you separated from your friends or whatever like you'd meet up again somewhere don't worry about it or are you just making new friends like i'm sure that guy <laughs> yeah. that guy at woodstock probably like met other people there and they had a great time yeah. 
And he uh, might... What I'm going to do is buy a hat and get a different accent. And now I'm a different person. <laughs> now I am Rico. Hello. I will know. Yeah, I just... will know. Yeah, that... Are you going to look Woods... me up online? Yeah, Woodstock is crazy. Like, well, that whole time period is like that. Just, just a crazy thing. Like, just to think of... But that kind of shows you that generation... Because I think one reason the 60s happened is because that generation felt so safe. They, they, they felt so safe that they could, like, rebel against everything. They could rebel against safety, you know, and do things that were unsafe. They could take drugs that could permanently d- damage your brain. And that was okay because they just felt so safe, you know. Well, I mean, the other side of the world was where the trouble was. I guess partly that, but it's, all, you know, the way they grew up, too, was just, yeah. you know, they just grew up in this culture that was very... You know, it was just everything was like this. This is what you do. This is what happens. Everything happens well, this was, way. When was Kent State? Seventy three. Okay, that was later. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. In the seventies. Yeah, like in the sixties. It was still unless you're uh, going to Vietnam or yeah. messing around like, somewhere else. Well, I think or that trying, yeah. Trying to land on the moon. I think uh, I think hippies were like I think kids protesting were like genuinely like surprised when like 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 when the Chicago. Uh, you know, when they're in the Chicago uh, Democratic Convention, when the police just came in, they're cracking skulls and stuff like that. Like, I don't think any of those kids were expecting that. You know, like that just like that just threw them for a loop. You know, like I know I know Phil Oaks, the musician. Like the next album he did after the Democratic, he was at the he was at those at those things. He was playing that playing there, and he was part of those marches and stuff. And and I know like his next album is called Rehearsals for Retirement, hmm. and. And then he did one more album after that, and then he just he just stopped being a creative force because like, I think he was just so shaken, shaken to his core at what he thought America was to what it revealed itself to be yeah. in that instance, and you know I just just damaged him, you know, and I yeah I do think that was part of what made the '60s happen was just that feeling of safety, you know, like it's okay we can we can go for three days to this field and watch music and it'll be fine. Yeah. What could go wrong, you know? It's be fine. You know, we'll just go there. We don't have tickets for it. We're just going to show up. It'll be fine. Something will happen. You know, we can maybe find tickets or who knows. You know, it's just so it's just so weird. It's going to be interesting in the next. Uh, we'll get back to the letters. I promise, Jade. Um, <laughs> I think it yeah, Jade's letter is great. So I'm sorry we're interrupting it, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting in the next little while. Like people's sense of safety mm-hmm. has really been shaken. Yeah, I agree like, with you. Yeah, like yeah. In two, in two ways, like in the states. You know, just had four years of you'd vote for that again, <laughs> and you were you were okay with that? Yeah, all, the, all that, and then hey, you know, at any moment a disease, and just flip it, flip it all, yeah. and then here you go. Well, oh, and by the way, some people will still be like, I don't fucking care. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I was just gonna say that it's it's interesting because it's it's trust has been broken on both sides. It feels Absolutely. like, you know, there's one side that feel like you would vote for this monster. And the other side is like you would vote for riots in the streets, you know. One side is you would vote to to have that sacrifice people to to this disease, and the other side is like you're you guys are just losing your marbles over this disease. And it just feels like both sides. There's been like this major like break in trust between you know, both what groups. Are you doing? Yeah, what are you thinking? And you know, obviously, I have a sense of who's right and who's wrong, but that's not that's not what's what I'm talking about. It's just more like the sense of like connection between a vast amount of people. Yeah, you know, it's not like a. We- not a small group of people. It's like a vast amount of people are both like, and they've been traumatized. They've been, been, yeah. they've been badly traumatized for a year. Yeah. So, you know, it's, there's, it's are you saying I mean, both? Are you saying both are, yeah. or just one? Yeah. yeah. Both of you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Everyone's, I think everyone's traumatized. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's going to be, 
you know, you don't come out of this going like, hey, we solved the problem. Well, done and done. Yeah. It's like, uh, no, there's going to be repercussions of this for quite a while. And mm-hmm. uh, have to figure some stuff out. Like yeah, a, for sure. I mean, it's fair to criticize people, you know, these anti-maskers and people like that. But, you know, the thing is, is like, this is an unusual. There are people who get cancer who can't deal with the fact that they have cancer and won't admit it and won't deal with it properly and end up hurting themselves. You know, like that's not uncommon, you know? So the fact that this is affecting so many people and you can see this at a much larger scale, isn't any different than people who have, who just go through this sort of denial themselves, you know, and, and just can't accept the reality of what's happening to them. Yeah. When you, when you've been through the unthinkable, uh, then what do you, what do you think? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. What do you like? Uh, yeah, how are you, what is the next stage of this? Like, to go through this, like, obviously, there's got to be some sort of healing process, but it's hard to imagine what what that entails. Like, what is that healing process going to be? Yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it's not Twitter. Twitter. I want it to be normal again. <laughs> it's like, not Twitter. Well, yeah. okay, That's not going to help. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to say normal's not around the corner, but something's around the corner. But even, even normal isn't going to, you know, like, um, I was reading a, reading an article by someone and they're talking about ha- talking about like the effects of having had cancer and how they went through like a basic post-traumatic stress and stuff like that. And that's the thing, like even when you're cured of something and you say, now it's back to normal, it's not really back to normal. You know, like you still, you still have repercussions that you you have to deal with, whether it's physical or mental, you know, you still have to like recover, you know? And so, yeah, even if the vaccine comes and things are back to quote unquote normal, there's still repercussions. There's still healing. There's still trauma that people have to go go through now. And it's it's uh, it's, yeah, it's an interesting. It's an int- we live in interesting times, unfortunately. And every TV show is now going to be Star Wars. So we'll see that. <laughs> maybe that'll help. Things. Maybe that'll we'll help. See. Maybe it'll help. Uh, now to answer your dark family secret question, uh, my family has not one but two. I guess we're overachievers. One secret. I haven't been told at all, but I know it anyway. Yeah, that's the kind of thing with family secrets. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, uh, they are hard to keep. Uh, the other, uh, I wasn't told until I was 19. And it was something I definitely should have known sooner. Uh, since it directly affects me. Actually, both secrets affect me. And yes, I'd say my life would have been better if my family could have just talked about our issues. I think keeping secrets uh, from each other has hurt every person in the process. I'll end this on a lesson. Your children are smarter than you think. And can always tell when something is wrong, so better they find out from you than from someone else. I promise to make a more positive comment uh, next time. I think that's a very positive comment. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's a really positive comment. The children are smarter. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I know. The the, the feeling is you want to protect. And so I'll protect with not telling them the thing. And it's like, then they, they don't have a defense against the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Our thing in our family was you know, uh, my father had uh, a breakdown and um, and and that was like the big dark secret. And he's since passed. So, you know, I get to talk about him on my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, uh, if we'd known that, that would have, I think, affected a lot of things differently. I guess it was a, a sign of weakness. It was yeah. A thing of shame. Yeah. And it's just like, well, OK, because as it turns out, I you know both me and my sister did end up going to therapy for different things and there would be less of a stigma on that. I think if we knew that, you know, no, you get help when you need to. Yeah. You don't let things get to an explosive point. Mm-hmm. If you know, and, and, and yeah, you, yeah. It's just like, come on. But it was from that generation and men have to be men and manly, manly, so on and so forth. 
It's weird, fun. isn't it? Because there, there. I mean, post World War Two was the was the psychoanalytical era. You know, like I mean, it was it was so popular. There was even a comic book called Psychoanalysis. Yeah. But it's 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 also true that there. I mean, it, where a kid got bit by a psychiatrist. Psychoanalysis man. Yeah, psychosenses tingling. <laughs> you got uh, you got Oedipus complex. Let me let me interpret your dream. So the uh, but I think I think that was a an intellectual class thing, you know, an, an elite idea. That's why you know you see it in films because that would have been like you know our people who are artistic and stuff like that were more accepting of this whereas for my parents or your parents who were you know from working class backgrounds that was embarrassing you know the idea that you have to be so weak that you have to go and talk your feelings out with someone Ugh. what are you so yeah it's uh it's unfortunate because yeah i resisted it too right as a kid not that i, res- I resisted it but it didn't occur to me that, that was something that you could do you know to help you through you know mix up feelings like say the kind of survivor guilt uh you know, trauma feeling of, 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 you know, getting, going through, through cancer, you know? And so, so yeah, that would, you know, would have been really handy at that time in my life to be able to have someone to talk that out with and make me understand wh- why I was feeling the way I was feeling and to guide me through it and maybe give me some advice on, you know, how to restart my life, you know, but I didn't have that as an option or I didn't feel like I had that as an option. So I didn't do that till much later, you know, when I was dealing with the fact that I was, you know, suicidally depressed rather than just sort of mixed up depressed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, talk it out, people. Talk it out. Yeah, you had to, you had uh, two potentially fatal diseases. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, and as I was saying about my grandfather, uh, you know, a, a broad streak of melancholy runs through our family, and it, my aunt suffered from from depression. I suffered from depression. My brothers have had. My brothers have had depression. Um, uh, cousins of mine have gone through depression. You know, so it's. It's not, it's not unrelated. And then we also have addiction issues, you know, so we have plenty of that in our family as well. And I think that if as a family, we were more willing to discuss it in a mature way, rather than just in a gossipy way, I think that would have been more helpful for the, for as kids growing up, you know, to understand, you know, the definite, definitely the risks that you were putting yourself under by, you know, if you know it and you still want to drink or whatever, then that that's fine. But I think if you don't know it and you drink and you end up trapped in addiction or taking drugs and end up trapped in addiction, when it's clearly runs through our family, you know, it's, it's on the parents who didn't talk about this as we're growing up, yeah. you know? Uh, I'm going to read the next one just because I've been practicing not reading the third Oh, paragraph. you're stealing my thunder. Okay, that's fine. Uh, this is from Sarah Walsh. Uh, my family is uh, sort of a dark secret, uh, but it's not so much of an actual secret as a thing that's not much fun to talk about, so we don't. But I will. Because it's a good, uh, pretty good one, as dark secrets go. It's murder-suicide. It's made only slightly less horrible by the fact that we're pretty sure it was a pact uh, they both agreed upon for some time. My great-grandmother shot her husband, then herself. Uh, they were pretty old and not in good health. And based on the notes, which I have read and are eerily straightforward, mostly instructions on how to access bank accounts and whatnot, it does seem that they have uh, to have been planned by both parties. However, the death certificate on the husband still says homicide, which is pretty creepy. To make uh, matters worse, all this was uh, followed uh, only a few weeks by my uncle, uh, killed by a drunk driver at the age of 19. So, wow, rough times. Hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I sure did grow up in the shadow of it all. Yeah, that is, that is rough. I, 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 yeah, I wonder how many 
that does seem the kind of thing in families that people would uh, cover up. There's, I think there's probably stuff floating in my family too that's like, hmm, huh. Yeah. So that uh, happened, and then that person went away. Hmm. And that was kind of an abusive relationship before then, huh? Yeah. And that happened? Huh. Oh, yeah. And it's in the past. And uh, I, there's, a, there's a bit of something for me that's like, uh, if something happens in Eastern Canada, it doesn't really count. <laughs> I don't know why. Western bias. Yeah, Western bias. I just figure it's all like, ah, it's Anna Green Gable type stuff. You know, <laughs> someone did a thing and uh, went to pick his cove and uh, someone tossed someone in the thing. It so, happens. It's all picturesque. Know? It's too picturesque to be real. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's all it's all really pretty and some tragically hips playing in the background softly. There you go. So uh, I'll pass it on to you if that's okay. Sure, I'll read I'll read Sarah's. Sarah, return to say... Oh, oh, uh, is, uh, oh no, I won't read that one. I'll yeah, go I'll on. I'll read that one. Just <laughs> Edward, Edward, yeah. I think, uh, it's, it's not Chris... No, I go from I go from Sarah to Edward. Sarah to Edward on the on the on the Seeky Dragon page. Yep. Do you have a Chris letter there? I got Chris after Edward. Why don't I read Edward since you don't seem to see this? Oh, letter. okay. Sorry. Here it is. Sorry. Okay. I forgot that he for some reason he he used a different email and so I had to approve this one so it wasn't showing up the same way in my. Okay. I go for my emails so I I'm not on the website okay. so okay. Uh, here we go. This is that again. He says there are no secrets in my family. We're loud, gossipy. And everyone knows everything about everyone else. Grudges, yes, but only temporary, and no secrets about the grudges. The only thing I can recall, and it's a funny story, was that my dad's Uncle Teddy was gay, and everyone in the family knew it, except my grandmother. I never met my great-uncle Teddy, but according to the family, he was well-loved, as was his partner, George, and the relationship was embraced for it being so long ago. My uncle decided to record my grandmother sometime in the late 1970s using a reel-to-reel recorder and asked her to start telling stories about the family. At one point in the interview, Teddy came up in conversation. My uncle. I was talking about Teddy, Ma. My grandmother. Oh yeah, your father's brother, Teddy. He was so nice. It's a shame he never settled down with a nice woman. Too bad. My uncle. He was with George, Ma. Remember George? Teddy said George kept his bald head warm when he was sleeping. My grandmother. George? Wait. You mean Teddy was... My uncle. Yeah, Ma. My grandmother. A fairy? Quite loud. My uncle. No, Ma. A homosexual. Teddy was a homosexual. My grandmother. Stunned, but somehow relieved. Well, I guess he was happy. He did have George. So right then and there... And I have this on CD since my uncle made the family copies of this interview with my grandmother. My grandmother learned and accepted the not-so-dark secret of Uncle Teddy's sexuality. My grandmother was from Trentino, which is... Oh, so you must be... Isn't that the name of uh, the character from Duck Soup? Trentino, the ambassador from uh, the rival country? Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. And my grandmother was from Trentino, which is in very northern Italy, at the base of the Alps. So when you mentioned the dialects in Europe being geometrically different, this was the case with my grandmother. Being from northern Italy, the social structure designated that she was of a higher standing from anyone south of her. So when my grandmother, who was my dad's mother, met my mum's father, who was from Tuscany, which is south, uh... Tuscan Italy, the two clashed a bit as in-laws. My Tuscan grandfather on my mum's side immediately said to my dad's mum in Italian, Huh, I guess you think you're better than me. But she couldn't really pick up on his dialect right away. Whenever they attempted to speak Italian to one another, it was hit or miss because of the different dialects. But they hit it off nonetheless, and were good in-laws until the end. There you go. 
as I was saying on the show, the fact that the, the Italian I was speaking was sort of like a weird generic Italian that was unrelated to any sort of reality. All right. Well, that also reminds me, I just saw the movie The In-Laws. It was very good. <laughs> yes. Alan Arkin, Peter Falk. Yeah. Well worth that. Well worth the watch, people. Uh, Chris <laughs> Roberts writes, Happy ninth birthday, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the first video game I really got into was The Secret of Monkey Island. Oh, uh, then let me throw this at you. Uh, I think uh, I think it's Retronauts. Our friend Nina Matsumoto is uh, is the guest um, on the podcast with Bob Mackey, our friend, uh, who is uh, her fiance. Um, uh, but that's not why she's on. Uh, she's on for legitimate reasons. She's a big uh, Monkey <laughs> Island uh, fan, and they talk about Monkey Island on Retronauts, so you might want to oh, check sure. that out. Anyway, uh, I really got into was The Secret of Monkey Island, which came preloaded on our first PC. This would have been 1991, and I was captivated by the game's wonderfully cinematic qualities, plot, drama, characters, and most of all, humor. Uh, for the time, the graphics were also lovely. I also loved Kirby's Dream Course on the SNES, a quirky little thing where the object was to fire a bouncy blob past various obstacles on a floating platform until you eventually fell through a hole. At some level, I guess it was a bit like golf, except it was fun. I do remember that. That was a fun game. Favorite rom-com is a tough one. Would Keaton's The General or Chaplin's City Lights in Modern Times count? Dave, would it count? I don't think they're quite rom-coms. Oh, Dave says no. Well, Chris, no. City Lights, he doesn't get the he doesn't get the girl. No. Well, you don't have to get rom-com. Don't you? Can I have a sad ending? That's not a comedy. That's a tragedy. Oh. Uh, there are classic <laughs> movies that include a strong romantic theme, but I don't know if they quite fit into the genre. I'm a huge fan of The Awful Truth and My Favorite Wife. Screwball comedy. Starring Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. Yeah, those are screwball comedies, so they would be, uh, they'd be different. Do you, do you count a screwball comedy as a rom-com? No. So, Chris, Dave says no! <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It just depends. Like it, no, you, you need to no. have... You, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm no, thinking of... One of my favorite films, one of my favorite 70s comedies is uh, What's Up, Doc? With, with Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand. And, you know, it's, it's a basically like an attempt to... I shouldn't say an attempt, because it's a very successful attempt to, to remount a screwball comedy. But, I mean, it has a strong romantic comedy element to it. But, I don't know, I feel like they're different in, in, in what they are. Like, I, I, I... You know, okay. Anyway, There's go on. Just no. Push comes to shove, though. I think I'll go with Billy Wilder and The Apartment. The Apartment, Dave? Is it... Well, let's let Chris uh, defend All it. Right. At one level, it's bitter and cynical satire of mid-20th century U.S. society and consumerism, but the characters played by Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine somehow maintain their essential purity in a corrupt world. And, of course, true love wins the day. Wins the day. What more could you want? Well, I, I'd like some Fred McMurray. Oh, is he in it? <laughs> oh, then I'm very happy with this. How about you, Dave? Do you count the apartment? I'll allow, I'll, I'll allow that. I've only it's seen, pretty, it's pretty I, dark. I don't but... remember it now. Oh, it's uh, it's it's dark as well. It is dark, and that's that's my one sort of um, my one objection to it is is that it's Wilderian, and so it has a pretty dark, pretty dark heart to the film. I mean, the Jack Lemmon and, and Shirley MacLaine are are great, but also you know Jack Lemmon realizes that Shirley MacLaine is sleeping with this woman that he he admires and 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 thinks very well of. He discovers that she is having an, an affair mm-hmm. with 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 his boss with his with their boss, you know, her boss and his boss. And, you know, they do come together, but I think that's a kind of damaged relationship, you know. Now, you could argue that Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks' relationship in You've Got Mail is also very damaged since he destroyed her bookstore. Sure. And now she's become a satellite to him 
I think that's uh, not not necessarily like the happiest ending either. So I think what I'm saying is it's fluid. <laughs> All right. On to Mick. Do you want to read this one? Sure. Mick says, hey, chaps. And I say, hey, first video game I ever had was an off-brand version of Pong with non-responsive paddles connected <laughs> by tangled cables to our ancient TV. Good times. When Nintendo brought out the game... I like, sorry, I like that it's an off-brand version of Pong. I just picture it's called Ping. And it just goes one direction, there's no other paddle. It just shoots the ball straight across the end. I do remember someone having that. We didn't have one, but I remember, like, I uh, think my aunt, who was divorced, had a boyfriend. Their family had one. I do remember going there, and it was hooked up to the television, and we could play Pong on the TV with these little kind of winding, these little paddles that were more like dials than paddles to make the little cursor go up and down you know he says when nintendo brought out when nintendo brought out the game and watch in the 80s my brothers and i had parachute manhole sorry sorry parachute <laughs> that was called parachute manhole parachute manhole and octopus despite the simple led graphics these handheld games provided years of entertainment mm-hmm. i had the um i had the football game from mattel which was red dots on a black screen does that count I still don't understand how that works. Oh, it's fine. It's fun. Okay. You, you just got to get around the other dots and make a run for it. Very good. Dave's mention of the big cast of You've Got Mail reminded me that Michael Palin, my favorite Python, hmm, I think I'd be, I think I might agree with you. Yeah, I think I do as well. Filmed a role for the film, which was cut out, was cut during editing. He describes in his published biographies how the director called to apologize, saying, "At least it was fun having you on set. Would love to see those missing scenes." Apparently, Palin played an annoying children's book author who was always hanging around Meg Ryan's bookstore. Yeah, I could see that would probably take away the, the focus from the kind of the streamlined theme of the film. Yeah, I don't like people making fun of children's book authors. <laughs> well, they're, they're ripe. They're ripe for parody because they're such dicks. The film never quite clicked for me as I could never buy that Meg Ryan ends up with the... Wait a second, what did I say? The film never quite clicked for me as I could never buy that Meg Ryan ends up with a guy who ultimately puts her beloved bookshop out of business. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But at the same time, I mean, the film kind of establishes it in that way. Like, I mean, it's based on my favorite shop, or the shop around the corner, the uh, Lubitsch film. There's Lubitsch film from with uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Margaret, Margaret O'Sullivan, I believe. And, and in that film, I mean... It's a bit different. They they work together in the store as both he is like the manager, store manager, and she is a shop girl in the store who's basically been hired uh, for the Christmas rush. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And okay, she, yes. they don't know that they that they are in love with each other because in the store they hate each other. She feels he's too overbearing. He thinks that she's not, you know, doing what she's. She arrives late one day and stuff, and he's riding her. At the same time, the movie, of course, is a Lubitsch film, so it deals with very grown up themes. So one of the younger members of the store is having an affair with the boss's wife and the boss suspects Jimmy Stewart's character of, of, of this, of this uh, adulterous affair. And so he is treating his character terribly. And so there's all this kind of conflict in the film. And, and then in the, the end, you know, despite all this kind of bitter sniping between O'Sullivan and, and, and Stewart, you know, at the end of the film, they do come together because the love that they've, they've, the love that they've, found with each other as their as their pen pals as their personas as pen pals kind of overrides how they how they're they've felt about each other in in real life you know and i guess you can excuse that and you've got mail as well is what i'm trying to say uh mick goes on to say my oh sorry 
My favorite rom-com is probably Four Weddings and a Funeral. I was working as a cinema usher when it was released, and then I ended up seeing it so many times that I learned every comedy beat. I love its mixture of comedy and gentle drama, and it established the Richard Curtis template for ensemble casts playing quirky friends of the lead character. Yes, until they did Peter's Friends, is that what it's called? Yeah. Awful Fill movie. Fill me up with your babies, yeah. Awful movie. Too many dark family secrets to list here unless you want a nine-hour episode. Oh, we do, Mick. We do. Back to your discussion on cults. I have emailed you separately. Probably should have used the dark web. That is all, <laughs> Mick. So Mick sent us a, an image of Ian and I in in our robes with our with our dragon uh, <laughs> with our dragon image, and I will post that on the website so people can see that because it's a wonderful drawing. Thank you so much for that, Mick. I do plan to print it up and and post it on my wall because. Yes. The only thing you're missing in that is the paddles for our pong, uh, for the pong game. Laurel Robinson writes, David and Ian, hello. Thank you for sending a book plate for one of the Sparks Double Dog Dare books I have gifted to a grandson. He is thrilled to have it in his book. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. By the way, if anyone wants um, a book plate for Sparks or Sparks Double Dog Dare, uh, just write us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, and I will send you one. Uh, signed by me, David, and Nina Metzum. Uh, I've, uh, I've told him to keep it a secret from the other grandson and from the nephew to whom I've given the books, which may be the only biggish family secret we have. Great segue, huh? Yes, quite good. Uh, we have some uh, weird, dark, and strange stuff in the family, but I think we all know it. My mom, bless her, was not in secret keep. That is good. I have, I have no attachment to video game other than through my son, who, when he was five years old, I gave a Nintendo system and a Mario game at our neighbor's insistence. My kid kept sneaking into the house and playing their son's Nintendo games when no one was looking. He is now 35 and still does it. Oh, that's not good. He's now 35, and although married and successful, happy businessman, still loves all things Mario and a lot of other games, a journey on which he is bringing along his 13-year-old nephew. Oh, that's really sweet. I am uh, in my early 50s, and I am still very pro-Mario. Uh, I do not watch a lot of rom-coms, but I do. Uh, but I do one I do like so much is about a boy with Hugh Grant and Rachel Weisz. Tony Collette is in this one too. All are just wonderful in it. Uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, Directed by the same line. directors as uh, American Pie. A favorite line that we often use in my family, issued by Hugh Grant to Miss Coll- Collette's new agey character: "You're wounding my soul." <laughs> enough it is a good thanks movie. again for the book plate gentlemen and to nina as you're welcome uh, there you go and uh, asking then did i take ed d's place this week as the last one to comment if so sorry ed you <laughs> did not laurel and to prove it here's sarah <laughs> sarah says two replies this week wow but i just remembered my epic metroid redemption story that's how Metroid works. You, you you don't do it linearly. You have to go back and fix things later on. So this is a perfect Metroid story that's a Metroid story. All right. Well I have no idea what Metroid is, so I'm reading this from complete ignorance. Okay. Must have been about 10 or 11, I guess, and I did a permanent no-trade-backs deal with my friend Pam for Metroid on NES. I got completely wrapped up in it for about two weeks. I'd found a map in a gamer magazine and bought it to help my quest. Since this was the early 90s, I even put the Samus poster on my wall. Is that the, pronunci- is yeah. that the pronunciation? That is, uh, that is uh, yeah, the name of the, uh, 
the character that's uh, in the Metroid suit's uh, same as she is. I see. The game had password saves to keep your progress. This wasn't just any old platformer. It was an investment. So I'd beaten Ridley, one of the two mini-bosses, and I'd gotten to Kraid, the other one, but I just couldn't beat him. I was stuck at Kraid for days. I was actually playing one Saturday morning when a knock came at the door, and it was Pam and her dad. They wanted Metroid back. I have no idea why she went step... I have no idea why she went step one nuclear, bringing parents into it, but I obviously couldn't say no. Well, I have a feeling, I just want to say that it probably was her parents who discovered that she'd given away the Metroid game and were uh, mad at her for doing so. I didn't really buy my own games back then. They were expensive and I was bad at saving. I put it on Christmas and birthday lists, but no luck. I just never played Metroid again. Eventually, I got rid of the NES and got an SNES. And I got Super Metroid, which quickly became one of my all-time favorites, and I beat it many times. But I never really forgot about the original Metroid and I always felt like I had unfinished business. Well, that's too bad. Well, uh, that was a good letter. Yeah, Sarah. it was a nice letter. Wait, until... What? eBay. Huh? I don't remember exactly when, but I found an old NES at a thrift store in the mid, mid-oddies, or noughties, that I like to call them, and it occurred to me that I could probably... That was me saying noughties, not... Sorry. And it occurred to me that I could probably get the original Metroid on eBay. And that's exactly what I did. And with the determination of over 10 years of grudge, I threw myself into the game, looking at maps online, but otherwise doing it all myself. No guides or anything. I beat Ridley. I got to Kraid. And on only my second or third attempt, I beat Kraid. I think that may have been more satisfying than when I ultimately beat the final boss. Just that feeling of being denied the opportunity to do something, then coming back over a decade later and doing it, as silly as it sounds... It changed my outlook a little, made me realize that maybe it's never too late to accomplish something if you're determined enough. Yay! Anyway, that's probably enough from me for one week. I have to make up for the months at a time of not commenting somehow. Back in my cave. Sorry, back in my cave now, maybe? Yeah, the Metroid games, the way you play them is you uh, you are fighting like almost like super viruses. Uh, and you can turn into a ball and get into spaces. But there's some stuff that you can only do after you've done other things, so you have to then retrace your steps and then solve things that you've uh, previously, uh, in spaces you've previously been at. So it's a retracing your, your steps situation. So this works perfectly as a, as a metaphor. Well done. Well done all the way around. Okay, I'm going to read the final. Sarah, you read the final, final one. Damn it, now I can't stop. Uh, but I actually, how Sonic-like of you, Sarah, which is a different system. Um, but I actually have a favorite rom-com, which is odd, since I usually can't stand them. But Girl from Rio with Hugh Laurie. It's, I don't know that one. It's completely ridiculous and totally implausible. Uh, I thought maybe it was just because I love Hugh Laurie, but no. I can't even watch a few of those other movies. I think Girl from Rio might be a good, bad movie. It's charming and fun. It has a bit of a Christmassy theme, so I think I'll watch it again on my next night off. Really done now, waves and deep parts. I thought when you first were saying that, it was uh, Blame It on Rio, the Michael Caine movie. It's uh, someone who's way too young for him. Yeah, a lot of gratuitous With Demi Moore. Mm. Uh, and uh, I remember watching that uh, and uh, going, um, it's a comedy? I don't know. I'm distracted. But uh, Girl from Rio. Good to know. <laughs> Good tip. Thanks, Sarah. Yes, thanks very much. And I just want to say... You know, Christmas is coming, and I just want to make my regular, every year recommendations of two rom-coms. These are two actual rom-coms. One is the fantastic Preston Sturges written, Mitchell Leeson directed, Fred McMurray starring with Barbara Stanwyck, two of the two greats, 
two absolute greats. Watch them in this, then maybe do a double feature with double indemnity, just to make it a dark ending to the night. But Remember the Night is the film. I love it so much. I watch it every year without fail. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. My other favorite Christmas movie is the Ginger Rogers, David Niven film. And I'll tell you how good this movie is. I don't like David Niven that much as an actor. I think he's a bit of a drip. But this movie is so great. I even will even forgive him being in it. But it's Bachelor Mother with Ginger Rogers as a shop girl who loses her job and inadvertently uh, somehow becomes the mother of a baby that isn't hers. And uh, all of the ensuing mess and complications and it's very very good film so i would recommend both those movies i don't know if they quite fit into the rom-com category but i love them very much and um there you go another christmas film i'm gonna put this as a christmas movie and it's also a romantic comedy with a sort of jane austen bent since jane austen is mentioned quite often in the film is is whit stillman's metropolitan you're you're breaking up on my oh i'm fine on Uh, this end so don't worry hearing you like off and on every third word and then you get a lot of warm Okay. Sorry about that. It's fine. It's fine because I'm not going. Th- it's only what you're hearing, not what people are hearing on this end. Because I'm going directly into the microphone. But sorry that I'm breaking okay, up. Is, is it okay now? Is it okay? Continue. Is it okay uh, now? It is yes. Okay. I just finish off by saying it, the film Metropolitan by Whit Stillman, which takes place. It's a movie about uh, preppy kids who are in the debutante season over the Christmas break and the school season as the young ladies are introduced into society and now they can get married. Uh, as the tradition once was, but now it's just more of a tradition than anything else. But it's a great film, lots of fun, fun jokes, witty lines, and uh, a little, a cute little love story to it as well. Of a dopey guy who doesn't know what's good for him. And now some emails. Yeah, I was going to say. It's, I thought you were going to say. Uh, and now a fantastic. Uh, I'd like to recommend a movie. It's a Fantastic Four film. Uh, fantastic Four two. <laughs> no one's going to. So I'm glad you went in a different direction. Sure, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so let me just find. So Canningral wrote. Uh, Regis wrote as well, but Regis is more of a, a letter to Mary and I. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save that as a sneaky sneaky dragon listening party letter. This is one from Canningral to to a real pair of sneakers. He says. He says, I just left a real Aussie dump on your page, but I'm writing an email to overcompensate for your lack of letters last episode. So here's two. L and Q. (laughs) (laughs) On to the questions of the week. Our family had a secret, but it's known now, I believe, well after my grandparents are gone. And while they were for sure my grandparents, let's just say that one of them was not the parent of one of my uncles. Uh Uh-oh. I can't really remember the first video game I played as a kid, but it would have would have sorry, would have to have been on the Atari twenty six hundred. So probably Pitfall or Frogger. I didn't I didn't play Frogger on the Atari. I definitely remember being more hooked on Pitfall though, before my uncle, not that one, got a Smurfs game on his Atari that was awesome. <laughs> and also the Smurfs. Children love cross promotion. Zaxxon was also a great game on Atari. Yes. Yes, that was very good. It must have been Atari because we could never afford a Nintendo or a Sega. We had to really press on all the annoying buttons just to get the Atari. All our friends would be over there playing Wonder Boy and Monsterland. Well, we just got a used cartridge of Missile Command. Backs turned so they couldn't see our weeping. (laughs) (laughs) We did eventually get a Commodore 64, though. Our dad got a cheap one through work. And we were obsessed with Skate or Die. And on the old Mac Classic, our mom got a cheap one through work. We didn't have much, but we had Load Runner. Oh, not uh, Railway Tycoon? As for rom-coms, is Groundhog Day a rom-com? Of course Groundhog Day is a rom-com. Scott Pilgrim? Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Is it? Yeah. A lot of action for a rom-com. If yeah. not, 
If not, I enjoyed the heck out of forgetting Sarah Marshall. Or are we going to say yeah? Why are you saying yeah like that? Yeah? No, no, I say yeah. I say yeah, definitely. For Scott Pilgrim. Huh? It's about, it's about, but here's the weird thing. It does do a twist at the end where it says the, the, the ditches the, okay, it's a rom-com <laughs> okay. for 95% of the movie. All right. And then the final 5%, uh-huh. it, uh, it, uh, it tells you uh, self-respect is all right. Well, I, I just you can, you can only love other people if you uh, have respect for yourself first. I'm just going to say that I don't need a hot dog that's only a hot dog 95 percent of the time. But if, but then the last five percent makes <laughs> the hot dog infinitely better because it was, it was a doomed to failure hot dog. At All right. That point. All right. We know that you love Scott Pilgrim. Probably if someone asked if it was a, it was a, an action adventure film, you'd be like, yeah. I don't think it's an action-adventure movie. As for rom-coms, is Groundhog Day a rom-com? Yes. Scott Pilgrim? Yes, apparently. If not, I enjoy the heck out of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Great cast, mostly Mila Kunis. Unconventional story, which involves finding yourself as much as finding someone else. And puppets. Okay, I didn't know there was puppets in this movie, or Mila Kunis, so now I'm very interested yeah, yeah. in it. Sure. If anyone would like to track down a lesser-known indie rom-com, though, I recommend Tonight You're Mine, an Irish film where two musicians are scheduled to perform separately, but get handcuffed together at a 24-hour music festival. Well, that sounds interesting. Cheers, guys. May you be drowned in letters. Here's some more. W-L, and everyone's favorite, Y. Why, Kanan? Why did you say that? That's from Kanan. Thank you, Kanan, so much. I just want to thank uh, Brent Tannehill for writing to um, point us to the fact that uh, Boris Badenoff it was, uh, was a parody of Boris Goodenough. Yeah, that is good. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was funny. And then Jonathan Bampton writes, The first arcade game I I remember playing with any regularity was the Simpsons arcade game. Particularly as Marge with her red vacuum cleaner. Did I say particularly as Marge with her red vacuum cleaner? Yes. It really captured my imagination and actually made me think of Springfield as a fully fleshed out town. A great companion piece to the show. It was always fun to watch people play Street Fighter 2. Because you'd always have to get into into line and players were very competitive. Funniest of all were kids in the playground pretending to act out the moves and everyone thinking they knew the actual pronunciation of Aduken. The first video game I played was Alex Kid in Miracle World, which is pretty unimaginative because it was actually built into the Sega Master System 2 console. It was a game the entire family was hooked on, parents and children alike. After you passed every level, there was a short animation of Alex Kidd eating his hamburger before you progressed to the next level. A wealthy neighborhood kid told us he'd been to Japan, and in their version of the game, it was sushi rather than a hamburger that you were rewarded with. We all thought he was joking. Turned out years later, he was correct. I replayed the game on our original console some years back, and it was just as addictive. By the way, do you pronounce it Sega or Sega in Canada? Sega. Sega. You heard me pronounce it, so you know that I said Sega Master System 2 console. Not a family secret per se, but a minor piece of family folklore involves my grandfather as a young bank clerk in 1940s Melbourne. One of his first little jobs was to transport a shipment of banknotes and gold sovereigns from one end of Collins Street to the other end. The assistant bank manager thrust a small revolver in his hand, and offhandedly said it was the usual precaution for this delivery. As my grandfather approached his end destination, he noticed a solo General Douglas MacArthur alight from his hotel lodgings and rest at the top of the steps, lighting his pipe. Oh, how he could have changed history, it goes. I guess so. I guess a dark family secret would have been the assassination of General Douglas MacArthur. (laughs) That would be kind of dark. 
But there you are. Grab his pipe as a trophy. <laughs> you know whose pipe this was? Popeyes? Nope. This was General Douglas MacArthur's. How did you get it? Well, let me tell you a little story about a gun, some gold sovereigns. That's right. And why I had sexual relations with him. And he gave me the pipe as a reward. And that's a dark family secret. I'll keep. It. I'm kidding. It was murder. Oh, there you go. And after we were done, he said to me, "I will return," and he did. <laughs> the next night. <laughs> Dark family secret. Yep. There you go. Those, those are all our letters, by the way. Yay! We did it. And we... It only took 17 hours. <laughs> No, we we love getting letters from everyone. We appreciate you sending we us do your letters. We appreciate them. It's great. It's, and uh, yeah, all it, well and well. It's a fantastic. Thing it's a fantastic thing. The only thing that's complaining is my bladder. <laughs> the only thing that's is your bladder. Well, you know, you could just say, Dave, would you mind waiting a minute while I run I'm off? Not, I can, I, I'm using it as a challenge. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. I figure uh, after this, I'll be able to like watch a Marvel movie and like be fine. <laughs> good, good. That's good. All right. Well. Let me. Oh, we didn't think of some questions for this episode yet. No, we uh, we certainly did not. What's your favorite part of a boat? <laughs> What's your favorite part of a boat? <laughs> What's your favorite part of a boot? Well, we got to, you know, people are staying home for the holidays, uh, and it's all being a little, uh, you know, how is it? How are your holidays changed this year? Is there uh, is there something you're doing to kind of compensate for not to, you know, whatever? Uh, how have your holidays changed this year, and what are you planning to? Do? I guess that would be one of my questions. All right. Maybe reveal your dark family secrets over a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they should do that to say, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. How have your holidays changed this year? Speaking of holidays, I watched I watched the movie Happiest Season. Oh, how was it? It was pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, Is that that Aubrey Plaza, Dan uh, Levy? <laughs> I like how you're naming all the, the the supporting actors in the movie. Yes, the uh, Kristen, Kristen, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are the sort of the main characters. It okay, also has, Davis, has Mary. She's a Canadian actress. It has Mary Steenburgen. It has uh, another Canadian actor, Victor Garber. It has um, Dan Levy, as you was, said. They're Canadian. Who was Jesus? So he's good for. A he's Christian very good. Movie. He's Jesus. He was. He was Alias's dad. He, he was Firestorm. He was. Firestorm. He was the mean professor in Legally Blonde. He's everything. He's yes. everywhere you want to be. Depending what generation you're from, you know him in some way. Um, yeah, so he he uh, he's in it. Um, um, Alison Brie is in it as well. Oh, nice. So yeah, it has a lot, like a lot of you know got a lot of names in it, and they all get like to get to do fun things. I found, in my opinion, this is a minor complaint because I did enjoy the movie quite a bit, and I thought it was I thought it was funny, and I thought that you know Dan Levy is great in it. And um, and you're kind of like, oh, he plays the gay best friend. And you're like, yes, but with a twist. The twist. But um, I found that they didn't establish why the, why the girls love each other or why the two ladies love each other so much hmm. at the beginning of the film. Because so, the idea of the film is that, and I'm not spoiling anything, this is in the trailer, Kristen Stewart, they're going to visit Mackenzie Davis's parents. Kristen Stewart has decided she's going to propose to her girlfriend. And... You know, and then they go to this place where she discovers that her girlfriend is not out. Right. She is being she is being hidden away. She's being pushed into the closet to pretend that she has to pretend she's straight, pretend she's a roommate of 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 her girlfriend. 
and it's really hurtful like the film just grinds it down like you you start to really hate Mackenzie Davis's character <laughs> like a halfway like a two-thirds in the movie you're just like oh why is she even with this woman you know like this is this is ridiculous so it really kind of gives itself a hard uphill climb you know to, to get out of that that uh, situation and I feel like if they if at the beginning of the movie they'd made it instead of having like a montage of like Christmassy things um, and there were some, some relationship things, but its problem is, is like, I just feel like it's a really great, it's a really great um, bit of movie making advice, which is always show what you want the audience to know. Don't just tell them, you know, like if you say like, those two characters love each other so much, they are so in love. You've never seen them in love. I mean, I've never seen two people love the love each other the way they do. And then every other scene after that is two characters fighting. Yeah. You're not going to believe it, right? But if you show how much they love each other, if you like make that a point at the beginning of the film to like introduce in some way how they met or or them reminiscing about how they met and you see how much they love each other and you understand their connection to each other, then whatever else happens after that, you can forgive each character what they're doing because you know that in the core of their relationship is this deep love that, yeah. you know, is being maybe being hampered by this girl's inability to, to disappoint in quotation marks, her parents by telling them, you know, the truth about herself. But it's, you know, if you can't, you know, it's kind of like up, right? Like you will forgive anything that old guy does when you watch the beginning of that movie, because you know him so intimately, you know, his life, you know that he's loved and he's lost and you understand who, why he is, who he is. And, you know, I just feel like this movie needed something like that at the beginning to kind of establish that, and it would have helped the ride a little bit more. But it's still, a, it's still an enjoyable film, and I, I would recommend it as a, as a holiday rom com. Is it on Netflix or where is it? It is not. We I rented it. Okay. Uh, uh, is it on demand? But I, it's coming on to Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, I saw I saw a trailer for it. So so f- fool me, but you know what? I do want to support these films because I I want people to make these movies and i want i want to be able to see these films and i'm glad that it's clea duvall who did it i don't know if you know her she was in um but i'm a cheerleader okay which do you know that movie where she yes. to, yeah i guess to, to uh pray away the gay camp it's more of a parody of that than say something like um what is it my name is cameron poe is that what it's called the one with um don't know that one. Oh, it's a very good film it's um it has uh that actress whose name i can never remember because it's got three names in it and that makes it harder for me um, but she was Hit Girl in Kick-Ass and was all the rage for a while there. Do you know the, one, the girl, the actress I'm talking about? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, so anyway, she was Hit Girl in, in the... But she plays oh, the... Oh, yes, I do know who you're talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. okay. She, she plays... Uh, um, Chloe... 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 That's right. What are you yeah, Chloe... Chloe Platts. Chloe, Chloe, Chloe. So anyway, um... She plays a she plays a, a girl who who's uh, having a romance with a with a, with her friend these two girls and they get caught and so she her friend you know is scared away from her and completely rejects her and she gets sent off to a pray away at the gay camp. Okay. But it's a it's a drama. It's not a comedy. It's not like a because. But I'm a cheerleader. It's more of a broad, campy kind of co- comedy on this idea. Where this film is is very serious. You know, look at like, and I'm, I'm. I feel like it's written and directed by by a woman, and so I feel like this is like some coming from, not maybe, not maybe not necessarily personal experience, but something that she's heard of from other people because it feels very real. You know, like the whole way the camp is 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 organized and orientated and stuff like that, and how they attempt to get these characters to deny who they are, and um, 
yeah, it's a very, very good film, but it's named like, I think it's called My Name is Cameron Poe, something like that. I can't quite remember okay. the name, but no, sorry, The Miseducation of Cameron Poe. That's what it's called. But it's a very good movie. It's on Crave or it was on Crave for a while. Cool. But anyhow, yeah, I just feel like, you know, you got to support these movies. So I was, I was perfectly happy to pay $7 to, to watch it. You know, the four, there were five of us watched it. We had a pizza night and watched it. And it was homemade oh, pizza. Nice. So that was good too. So uh, there you go. Anyway, it was a good movie. I would recommend it. I thought Christian. Right. I thought Christian Stewart was really good in it too. Like I was really impressed with her acting. I, you know, my my impression of her is like Moon, uh, the Moon. What are the movies called? Eclipse movies. Yep. Like those ones. Moon, whatever they're called. <laughs> Moon, I call them Moonstruck, but they're not. Anyway, uh, Twilight. The Twilight films, and that's uh, that's what I associate her with, and I think that's kind of unfair, obviously, because they're they're more. Uh, she's obviously more than that, and uh, she's very good in this film. Very, very good. Nice. Very good. She's quite charming in the Charlie's Angels movie. That's not good. Uh, she's charming. <laughs> yeah, she's quite charming. It. I mean, I liked her in. I liked her in uh, Underwater, or whatever it's called, the one where she's underwater. <laughs> I mean, she was good in that movie, but you know, it's kind of you're basically I like underwater. You know, the movie where she's underwater. Yeah, yeah. The uh, she, you know, she, you know, it's just one of those films though where the actors are also the props. You know, yes, they're just pieces to be moved around in order to get to the places. So you know, if you do anything at all good in those sort of movies, it's a real. You get you deserve a, a pat on the back, is, is my I tip, how I say I tip it. my hat. I tip my uh, hat as well. Okay, so we got the first question. How? We have, we have a second question. Um, have you ever built a boat? No. Um. All right, let's go with this. Uh, how okay. About something. Has, have you ever like uh, built something that was uh, quite impressive? Oh, have okay. You ever built something? Yeah. Basically, put your hands together and built something. You go. Hey, I did that. You're proud of. Oh, oh I just wanted to um, take it, take advantage actually of this show to um, ask Sarah Walsh a question, which is that, uh, Sarah, would you mind emailing me at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com and letting me know what your setup is for your YouTube channel, which I really enjoy, by the way, as you know, because I haven't, I've been kind of too busy to go there the last couple of weeks, but uh, I'm always there thumbs upping and liking the stuff and commenting when I have time. So I'm really been enjoying what you've been doing, but I would like to know what your setup is because... Um, we mentioned before, David M., our, uh, our friend, is, wrote to me and asked uh, for advice on it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But I have a friend of sorts who uh, also does it. And uh, so let me ask her advice. So if you wouldn't mind, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Just let me know uh, how you do what you do because you do it very well. Because she doesn't just, it's not just her strumming on a guitar. Like she does like multi, multi image things where she's playing the bass, she's playing the drums, she's playing the keyboard, she's playing guitar, she's singing, she's harmonizing with herself. I it's very complicated. Too. I want to hear this too, so please, yeah, if you're, if you're down with that. And then I'm going to bug Dave and ask him for WordPress advice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're trying sure. to set up our WordPress uh, Hell Kitty page. Oh, okay. And it's a pain in the ass, so we'll do that as well. Um, <laughs> we're all going to help each other out in these troubled times, is what we got to do. And we will. Uh, uh, so, uh, so let me just tell everyone how they can yeah, get please. in touch with us. And you do it like this, everybody. You can go to our website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. There, uh, our shows are posted. And under every show, there is room for your comments. Plenty of room, as you've noticed. And so the more the merrier is what we say. So please feel come there and comment at SneakyDragon.com. And you can comment away. You may also reach us, as I was saying earlier, at the email address, which is SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. We are on Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. We're on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. And if you go to our website and go to the Contact Us page, you will find our snail mail address if you want to send us a letter written in cursive. And by that, I mean swearing. 
All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening to our, as usual, very erudite babblings. Uh, we appreciate we appreciate all that you bring to the show. So thank you very much, and we will see you in a week. Bye. Stay safe. Thank you.